And welcome to the Everyday Board Game Podcast with your host, Daniel. And Daniel. Daniel, good afternoon. How's it going? I actually decided to be nice today. It's kind of a somber day. Yep. Yeah, we're going to be talking about something here in a bit, uh, why I say that. But, I mean, that aside, um, remember yourself back in the day when you used to take, like, the state testing? Oh, God. So, So I'm an educator, and I teach elementary students, and we have had testing. It just started today. And I'm pretty much kind of the go-to, like, fix computers kind of thing. Oh, boy, today was a day. (laughs) Uh, I was there for, I want to say, two, three extra hours total yesterday. Mm -hmm. Was I there throughout the whole lunch? Probably. But I I was there for an extra three hours just setting up stuff, getting it ready. Like, and I'm sure there were people there more than I was. And that's not my normal style. But, man, I'm kind of tired. I hear you. Uh, this my, is all caffeine. I my, had to. My insomnia was kicking in last night, and or actually, I've been kicking in this week. I haven't been sleeping too well, but last night with my wife being on call and me having insomnia, I'm running at about four hours sleep. Oh no! I went oh, to bed no. around midnight last night. My dog woke me up at one because I had to go outside. Of course. And then my wife got called out around that same time, so I'm already kind of awake, and I think that's why the dog needed to go out. Yep. I couldn't fall back asleep, so I had to go get something to help me sleep. I got I grabbed a melatonin. So I waited for it to, you know, take effect, and I forgot my wife got called out, mind you, because it's middle of the night and I can't see. I don't have my contacts on or anything like that. So I'm just sitting there. I'm looking at my phone, um, trying to get things stuff to get tired. Next thing I know, I hear my door rattling. And I almost got into a slugfest with my wife because she was coming home and scared the crap out of me. I mean, you can't be going and doing that. She's going to destroy you, and then we won't be able to film the podcast. That's the problem. Uh, so there was that, and then she got called again at like 6 in the morning. Uh-huh. Um, so I had to take care of the dogs early in the morning. So I was trying to sleep, and I just couldn't get back to sleep. So I'm running off about four hours sleep. So I made some cold brew coffee yesterday, oh, which is like concentrated caffeine. So it's about three quarters cold brew and about a quarter of uh, almond milk. So what you're saying? Quantity, quality. <laughs> well, not just that. This is concentrated caffeine. You're not supposed to have that much. I'm probably going to have heart palpitations during the episode. Oh, goodness. Like, uh, you're, and you know more about medical stuff. I'm basic first aid. I could probably keep it from dying too fast, but. Well, my wife is uh, in the other room and she's got BLS certification, so. Oh, well, then we'll call her then. No problem. When I was BLS certification, I'll tell you what to do. Right. Call 911. That's all you got to do. We we don't have an AED in the house, so they can't shock me back into rhythm. Sure, if I would rub my rub my socks on the floor strong enough, I could pull something off. You know, maybe just take a balloon. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's so. it's been a it's been a week. It's been so, a week, and on so top far, of that, we're in our windy season, like really badly right oh, now. Speaking of which, because of the windy season, and I just got back from uh, L.A. about three weeks ago. All yep. that stuff yeah, is starting to mess that. with me. I just got a massive nosebleed today, and it was so annoying because it Ooh. would not stop. He loves that game. I haven't played it yet. Yeah, so Illuminus bringing up Scout. Yeah, right off the bat. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah. I, I've been... I, I really like Scout. It's it, Every time I play it, it's so good. Uh, just, I, man, I'm not going to get into it. You're going to get me started. I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> 
right, let's let's go in uh, before we talk about what we've been playing lately. And let's the news. Uh, go ahead and talk about the news. Really yeah, quick. let's talk. So, a friend of or no, you posted it to us. Yeah, you saw a news that was online. We thought it was worth mentioning because this is a really it's a, a really big, big name. Klaus Teuber, uh, the designer of Catan, he passed away today. Uh, Seventy years old. Seven years um, old. Lived a good life. Yeah, no. I, and then he revolutionized board gaming, in yes. all honesty. When you think about, like, board gaming, people think of two games. Monopoly yes. and Catan. Yep. So your modern Euro players, the hobby game, Catan, is a lot of the game that got a lot of people into it. Yep. Um, and so I'm not a huge fan of Catan. I'm fine with it. I actually like, uh, what is it, Starfarers of Catan mm-hmm. more. But uh, Catan's still one of your favorite games, so why don't you go ahead and... Yeah, well, I wouldn't say it's one of my favorites, but it's definitely one of the ones that got me into gaming. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, of course, I I like Catan quite a bit. My wife loves Catan. I haven't told her the news yet, so she's going to be sad. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just... I It was one of those... He was one of those designers where it's like... Where he was very much uh, pushing for... It's like, look, designers need to be known for their games. Back mm-hmm. like in 1994, 95, when he came out with Catan, he made it before that, but when he finally got it published and it, and it started becoming a smash hit everywhere, then yeah. brought it over to America and got even bigger, like, it, it shouldn't have worked that well, and it kind of revolutionized this whole idea. It set forth Mayfair, um, that became one of the biggest companies at the mm-hmm. time. It brought in, like, the Euro invasion. It's kind of like the Beatles in, yeah. in the 60s, right? Yeah, exactly. The Euro games came in. And yeah, the big thing the about it, too, when, you, when you're talking about, like, uh, where he's, like, designers should be known for their games as well. I yeah. get it, because, I mean, you read a book, you know who the author is. Yep. You uh, listen to music, if you look closely, it credits who the songwriter is, who yep. made the beats and all this and that. Why isn't it, shouldn't it be the same for board gaming? Yeah, absolutely. So, with that, you know, uh, it's a little late now, but thank you, Cos Toyber, for bringing us into the games and pro- and making the games... Yeah. Uh, making gaming what it is. I exactly. Mean, I, I don't think there was many people that were more instrumental because of that, just that one game. Well, it, yeah, the, the, the thing about Catan, I mean, you saw it publicly a lot. You yep. saw it in the Big Bang Pop Theory. Pop culture. Pop yep. culture, like Big Bang Theory, yep. other the backgrounds of other um, yep. TV shows. You, you saw articles about members of the Green Bay Packers playing yep. that game. So yep. it really... One of the few games that really broke out of just the board game hobby and became right. nationally known or right. worldly known. Yeah, and I mean, so much to the point, the, the part that really cemented it for me is because we're in, the, board gaming is a ho- is a niche hobby, right? Mm-hmm. You know, this is nothing like esports. This is nothing like video games. Yeah. This is nothing like almost anything else, right? Uh, we're, we're in the world of hobbies. We're pretty small. Yeah, exactly. And the death of Klaus Teuber was on CNN today. Mm-hmm. That was on the webpage. Uh, not just CNN, it was on we're Yahoo. On a, we're in America, and it's talking about a board game designer, and it and that shows how impactful he was, that he was on, you know... A uh, national a news. national news. Yeah. So they were like, wow, you know, famed... In the U.S., a German designer... A German designer, In yeah. the U.S. getting talked about. Yeah, exactly. It's like what what niche world do we live in? Like apparently, it's not as niche as I thought. Exactly. And uh, so, and that, that's the thing is like I was saying, there's few games that I've seen that's actually broke from just the niche hobby. Yeah. Monopoly, everybody knows. 
Uh, Catan is the other one, and only recently Wingspan was another one that's really breaking the the right that threshold. So it's right. not a lot of games that really break right. outside the hobby gaming, and the fact that he really revolutionized right. our actual hobby back in the '90s. There was two games that really got talked about during that time frame: yeah. Magic: The Gathering and Catan. That's right. Yeah. The next other big game I can think of is like Munchkin, right? Well, yeah. You know, and that's still like a fraction of what it is. Exactly. I mean, so. it's... And then uh, like about 10 years later, that's when Ticket to Ride started breaking through. Yeah, exactly. So there's only a few. Illuminates Your Gateway was Dominion. Yeah, it was... That's that's mainly... I like Dominion a lot. Like a lot, a lot. <laughs> and it was one of my... It was my first... Uh, deck builder and it was my first game that I spent on only just cards and I was very nervous when I did it and I'm very happy that I did because it was amazing. I think for me like that with Dominion and what hurt for me is that I played it after the fact and the same thing with Catan. Right. I played games after the fact. I didn't get into this hobby till 10 years uh, almost 10 years. Next year will be 10 years. Yeah. I can actually tell you almost the same anniversary of our um, board gaming uh, right. podcast in March is when I got into board gaming ten and nine years ago. That's right. So, you know, you know what the crazy thing is. I still remember me playing with my siblings, like a combination of Carcassonne and Catan all the time. Mm. Like those were really the two that were really big in my in my background. So, I mean, again, like it was pretty instrumental to me. So, anyway, we just thought we would bring that up real quick. We normally don't talk about recent board game events or anything like that, but that's that's huge. So, um, you know. Yeah, go spend time with your family, loved ones. Go yeah, play a exactly. game with Catan. Um, They'll appreciate it. Yeah, I don't know about Catan. <laughs> it's not no, everybody's Catan. I mean, it's, it's not everybody's favorite, but it will. I think a lot, a lot of people who've never probably, played it, they'll, they'll appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, big thing before we get going um, after the news too, uh, we do want to talk about our new lineup. What we're going to be doing. That's right. Yeah, so we haven't figured out the release schedule or, or versus like when we record mm-hmm. um, yet, but now we're going to have four full segments that we want to talk to you guys a little bit about. First, um, each one of these segments will be a different week uh, of the month. So the first one, every month that you're going to get is the top eight debate. Mm-hmm. We found that we were lacking a little bit on that last year. Yeah, we'll fix get that, to that this here year. in a minute. Um, then the second week every month will be our Chits and Giggles episode. Our third episode every month will be a board game breakdown. As always, we pick a game, designer category, whatever, break down all the different ones. Mm -hmm. And then finally, we're going to do something, and name aside, we're still working on it, it's going to be kind of a deep dive into a game, where what our goal is, we're going to take a popular game, break it down with all of our criteria that we normally use in our top eight debates, and we're going to recommend a series, we're each going to recommend a game based on if you like that specific part. So, mm-hmm. for example, if we pick a game like Monopoly, yep. just throwing that out there, um, based on the uh, ease of play, we'll each pick a game that we recommend to you based on how easy that is to play. So, if that's and, one of your favorite and, parts... And, and honestly, it's also along the facts that when we're talking about like ease of play, I could pick something like the roll and move. It's a real simple mechanism. That, right. that could be my ease of play right. off there. You could pick totally something else like the economics of the game. Right. Exactly. For your ease of play. Exactly. And then we'll go into pieces of components. We'll do our um, strategy. We'll do our um, like all of the different ones. Game immersion. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about all of that stuff. Yep. Break it down into full details and give you our recommendations, which will be 10 full recommendations for the games based on 
if you like this game and why you like that game. Yep. That's going to be our goal. So, that's a new segment. <laughs> um, and each of that's those are going to have mini segments, like what we've been playing, or we may talk about the yep. news, or maybe even stuff outside of gaming. So, uh, right. just you got to look forward to, to see what happens. That'll be starting on season four of our show, which is just a couple weeks away. Yeah, so we're finishing up season three right now with our top eight debate champions edition. That's what today's episode is. And next week we finish off our third year, running a little late because just we wanted to get everything worked yep. out, um, is our Chits and Giggles episode about our anticipated games. So our anticipated games for this upcoming year. Some might be out, some might not. We don't know. Will you? Let's find out. Yep. All right. So going into this, let's talk about our top eight games. So you mentioned it earlier. Uh, we were lacking last year. Mind you, there was a couple stuff that was going on where sure. we needed breaks and stuff like that where yep. we couldn't record. We did record eight top eight debates last year. We only recorded seven. Which, forgive us. But, so we know. had two choices. Either give our number one seed a buy and make it a top seven debate rather than a top eight debate. Or we came, to, brand. Yeah, we came to an agreement that there's a game... That we are tired of arguing, so we want to see if it gets ascended. Uh, it was no, we're tired of arguing it, so let's put it on the list. <laughs> uh, well, there's that too, but uh, but it was also a runner-up for year two yep. because it got so far for year two top eight debate. We yep. wanted to make sure it has a chance. There, there's a reason why it was the runner-up. Runner yep. So Wingspan did get into this list, and then out of the eight games that we talked about, are going to talk about here. I went through Board Game Ge uh, Board Game Geek and seeded them based on the ranking of Board Game Geek because they That's each right. won one uh, thing. We also put a poll on Board Game Revolution, so if you uh, on Facebook, if you want to vote on it, it's there. Uh, but with that being said, let's talk about the eight games. All right, we're gonna first cause or have our number one seed, as we said earlier, Wingspan from previous uh, runner-up categories. Yep, going up against our number eight game, the game. Wait, eight games that... Okay, yeah. <laughs> our number two seed, Marvel Champions. Going up against our seven seed, Colt Express. Our number three seed, Lord of the Rings, Journeys to Middle-Earth? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Journeys to Middle-Earth. Versus our number six seed, Pitchgar. And our number four seed, Dixit. Versus our five seed, Return to Dark Tower. This will be a good one. I actually like the fact that, yeah, we put Wingspan on here because it was runner-up and... Honestly, it deserves to be on this right. list. Um, but also, the fact that these are all really, really good, really good games. games. Yeah, I think the lowest seeded um, game is The Game, and it was 1,100. Actually, I have the statistics here. Okay. Uh, so, Wingspan, of course, was our year two runner-up, and it w I didn't get the ranking for this one, but I think it's like in the top 25 on Board Game Geek. That's mm -hmm. why it's our one seed. Our two seed, which is Marvel's Champions, was actually in the top 100 as well. Um, mind you, it was easy for me to look those up in the top 100 page, so I didn't write their numbers mm -hmm. down. Marvel Champions won our Variable Player Power uh, Top 8 Debate. Oh, okay. Uh, next up here, I have Lord of the Rings Journeys to Middle-Earth. It's uh, won our Digital Hybrid ranking, and again, it was in I think it was 101 on BoardGameGeek. Uh, next up, we have... Uh, what do I have? Lord of the Rings. Dixit. Dixit was number 329. It also won our humor category. Return to Dark Tower was 354 on Board Game Geek, and it won our 22, 2022 games uh, list. 
Uh, number six was Pitch Car. Pitch Car is at 446 on Board Game Geek. It won our racing category. Number seven was Colt Express, and that one won our component list. It was 465 on Board Game Geek. And finally, The Game, or also known as The Game on Fire, um, was 1,160. Awesome. So, we're going to go into this, but before we do, Daniel, what have you been playing lately? I have to pull up my list, so why don't you start? All right, I will start. That really breaks the continuity, doesn't it? Right. Yep. So, as you were talking, that's why I was putting my list down. Um, the game I wanted to talk about, one of the games that we've been playing, and we're only going to, going two. to do two, yeah. that's right. Uh, the first one I want to talk about was a game that I had been meaning to get back to my list for a long time. It's been One of my goals this year is to replay a bunch of older games that I've had in my collection that I haven't played in a significant amount of time, uh, specifically all of this year. But, you know, going back to even like previous years, I still wanted to get it to the table. I played a game uh, that plays over two phases. The first phase, you're buying houses. The second for phase, sale. you are selling those houses. That's right, for sale. <laughs> Classic game. Um, a lot of my friends had never played that before. Really? Yeah. Yeah, believe it or not. I brought it out during our game group. Um, we even had a new member join us today, or join us last week, and you know it seemed to work, work pretty well. We played that, and we're just like, okay, all right. Now, although I had a blast, everyone else, eh, they were like 50-50. It's okay. You know, on uh, for, for sale. sale. Yeah, oh, okay. They were okay on it, but I I remembered very much why I like that game so that much. That game is so good. There's something about just like being for really a winner smart. of a uh, uh, top eight debate. Yes. Uh, I think it won the auction bidding game. That's right, and as it should have. Yeah, for sale. Finally got back to the table. Super great. First first round, you're auctioning off coin, or you have coins. You're buying different buildings. You're number mm-hmm. one from one to thirty. Then in the second half of the round, you all choose a house. Flip it face up, and then there's a series of checks that are face up for one per player. And whoever bids the highest number gets the highest value check, so on and so forth. So you could really throw in like a small number and still get a pretty valuable check if that's just how the market goes. Yeah. Both phases work differently, but both of them are really smart and a fun game regardless. I like it a lot. For sale. Check it out. Stefan Dora. Uh, so my next game here, and I'm just going to go ahead and say my next the two games I'm going to talk about... Uh, are part of the Shim Phillips line, Garpill line. Uh, the first one I'm going to talk about is actually one of Shim Phillips' games. Uh, this mm-hmm. one is his newest game that's out. It's called Wayfarers of the South Tigris. Um, we, I couldn't get to it when we last recorded of what yes. we've been playing last week, uh-huh. just because we had to talk about a lot of games. We had a lot of games that we talked about. Yeah, So, but I wanted to make sure I talked about it this week, because uh, we played this back on the beginning of March, and I really, really did enjoy it, but Oof, it is long, it is a brain burner, there's a lot of moving parts, to the point where all of us were like, okay, what has happened again? How do I trigger this again? What's going on here? Because you're building a tableau of cards, you're also trying to score as many points, plus you have like a mini race game, but you need uh, resources to go through that track in the middle of the board. There is a lot to this game, and from what I was seeing about this game, it's actually easier than the next one that's coming out, which is uh, Scholars of the South Tigris. Um, and what I like about this one is it's a lot of um, dice placement. I love worker placement or dice placement games. This one is like, hey, I can move this four here and it triggers these tags so I can get these resources. I like that aspect of it. That's like my favorite part of that game. But to mention like all the other stuff that's going on there, some of it was great. The artwork is amazing in that game. But... 
it, the fact that it just it felt like there's too many moving parts. Now, mind you, I'm not getting rid of this out of my uh, collection. I will want to play it again. It's just was this the one I played? Yes, it was the one where we played at night. Uh, we played both of these games on the same day. I don't know why I don't why I never rem- none of these are memorable to me. I'm sorry. And mind you, this was a month really ago, don't. and we played a lot of games since then. It's true. But this one was, it's, mind you, this was also played late at night. That's probably why I don't remember it too much. Both of us were all tired. I think you ended up winning that one. No, probably. I won it. No, I don't know. <laughs> but I like this game. Uh, you'll probably have to play oh, it. Oh, yes. Okay, I remember. We were building the panoramas. Yeah, right? the panoramas. Okay. Yeah, you have the land side and the sea side, and then you have the space yeah. side over the top. Mm-hmm. And it has all the different tags and stuff like that. It was fun. I liked it a lot. But like I said, there was a lot of moving parts with this game. Yep. To the point where I need to play it again just to see if I understand it still. Yeah, it was it was alright. <laughs> That's about as best as I can. Like, I didn't dislike it. I, I remember after... Like, I always know that there's like... Ever since we played Architects. Mm-hmm. Ever since that one time... Now, anytime we play a Shem Phillips game, we're all finished. You and our two friends, they sit back like, ah, that was good. They kind of like cautiously look at me. What do you think? <laughs> I'm like, and you know, like, I've, I've only ever disliked one of them. Mm-hmm. I, I lie, the others are Mind you, I haven't even played any of the rest of the North Sea. I only played Raiders. Right, I've only played, Ra- I played Raiders. I like that one. I have to play um, Shipwrights in uh, the other one. I can't remember what it is. Yeah, um, I don't know. Token pushers. I don't know. No, uh, it's a shipwrights, and there's one that's like an exploration. Yeah. Okay. Explorers. I don't remember. But either way, I've played all I of. I think the, it actually um, is called Explorers of the North Sea. Is it? Oh, <laughs> I've just made it up. Um, yeah, I've only played one of the North Sea, and then all of the uh, West Kingdom, mm-hmm. and then now this one of the South Seas. So I played five of them, and yeah, I mean they're fine. They're they're good, solid games. Um, I don't disagree with any of them except for the one uh for my own specific reasons and yeah if you if you like one shim phillips you'll probably like the others that's what i can say it is explorers of the north sea is it ship rights explorers and raiders cool. yeah I, I think i'm right on that if you like one shim phillips you'll probably like the rest you'll probably like the rest yeah I, what i like about what he's doing is that he does different things so like sure uh uh, Raiders of the North Sea or Scythia has that where the push or the place and pool worker mm-hmm. placement aspect, which I like a lot. Yeah. Um, and then the Architects of the West Kingdom has where you have all your workers to begin with, and then you go through there. Uh, Paladins has this interesting double-sided board where you're using workers from cards to get you workers to play on the other side of your board, which right. that's intriguing. Viscounts has this weird little rondelle slash worker placement slash putting them in the tower type thing. So weird, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. But the 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 South the South Tigris series. What I like about this one is it's he's kind of done with like the worker placement, and now he's going with the dice placement type stuff. So how your dice pips work, how they work for you on like wayfarers. And then how they're going to work for you, like in Scholars, it's going to be a bag building type thing where you're going to use them for different resources as well. So it's interesting. But my thing is, from what I looked at for Scholars, you need to be familiar with the color wheel. Because it's going to be like, hey, this red and this green make this color. You know, I hate to say it, like, I I am familiar with the color wheel. But come on, make it colorblind friendly, dude. It's actually not too, too bad, but yeah, it's just, it's more along the lines like... Um, using these two colors to make this color or this one palatable with this color and stuff like that. So it could be worse. 
He actually worse, makes yeah. the, the 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 dice and the meeples easy enough to see. Well, that's up to the publisher. But every other icon is always just like the same shape with a slight shade of different color. <laughs> well, a lot of the icons he used in Wayfair, he's using in uh, Scholars. I know. I know. <laughs> so, what's your second game? My second game is Space Battle Lunchtime. Um, this game is, and I bring this up for one specific reason. Uh, last week we Dan- we interviewed Daniel Solis. This week I wanted to talk about the game that I played because when I started researching into that episode, I tried to be at least somewhat aware of what games that they came out with, like kind of their general idea. We normally try to focus on designers that we know a lot of their catalog or uh, ludography as I call it. And with his, I was less familiar. I do know quite a few. I knew Trickster, I knew Drunk Robert, all those. But I was like, okay, let me uh, see if Space Battle Lunchtime was. And the local shop of mine was the one that I help out with. They they were uh, selling that game. So I picked it up, played with my daughter while I was waiting for my son to arrive on the airport. And her and I, having no clue of what the backstory was, mm-hmm. had an absolute blast with it. And he said during his interview that his goal was to try and make like a multiplayer Jaipur, which apparently was very instrumental in his. And now I I wouldn't have noticed that had he not pointed it out, mm-hmm. but now it actually makes a lot of sense. One of the cool things about it... And the thing is, it's a re-implementation of an earlier game that he made. That's yes. what he was going for the multiplayer Jaipur. Yes. And he loved that so much that when, I think it was Renegade came to him, they're right. like, hey, let's do this game. Yeah, or no, it was, um, yeah, Renegade helped publish it, but it was a different company that okay, that yeah. had, li- had licensed that IP. But the way it works is, is pretty simple. There are different dishes that you don't know, like, what ingredients you're putting towards them. You're just trying your best. And you're trying to make these dishes to work for it. Now, all of them might say, like, let's say you need one bitter and three sour, right, to make that dish. Now, you don't know what it's going to be, but you have cards that have either... Uh, one ingredient, which is normally split. It's like either one sour or one sweet, whatever. Or you have uh, two of a single, like two sour or three sour. And on your turn, you can actually take that. You can... Uh... I'm just doing something. You're oh, okay. fine. Yeah, sorry about that. You can actually uh, take those ingredients and trade them in without having to be exact. And that was one thing I really liked about it. Is first off, if you have the exact ingredients on the right cards to trade in for the dish, you can get it for its gold value, which is the most valuable. But if you happen to have all the ingredients but not the correct quantities of them, you can still make it, you just get their silver value. But then if you have other ingredients, since you don't really know what you're doing, but you have the correct values, so one of one type, three of a different type, you can trade those in for its bronze value. And then you have ways to get these special abilities from the judges, which might even be upgrading it. It might be getting free uh, ingredients. Mm-hmm. And then the final thing that I think is really interesting about this mechanism is on your turn you could just take an ingredient from the four that's available, mm-hmm. or you can actually buy those ingredients by trading in one of yours. You discard it, and the, the quantity of ingredients that's on that card is how many ingredient cards you could buy. Okay. So either one, two, or three. If I discard a three, I get to buy three ingredients cards and put it into my hand. That's a really cool little system that works really well. Because, of course, you want three of something. But do you really? And then if you're hanging out that ingredient nothing's coming out, you'd be like, all right, well, then let me just dump that, take these, and now I have a lot more options. 
it combines the combination of like of kind of like splendor in a way or jaipur for that example mm-hmm. but with that added extra of bizarre that i really like because okay. this is now the second game i've ever seen where it rewards you for the efficiency of it okay. so if you can trade in the exact value you're gonna get the most points from it i love that i think that's such a smart idea it's not quite the same but it works really close so space battle lunchtime uh, I can highly recommend it, not knowing anything about the ca- the comics it's based off of. Check it out. All right, so the last game I'm going to talk about here is another along the Garpel lines. Now, this one isn't made by Shim Phillips, but okay. he actually publishes it through his line. Uh-huh. Uh, this is a massive roll and write, or in this yep. case, flip and write. I, I did enjoy this play of it. It's called Hadrian's Wall. Uh, what's interesting about this one is that you have to, it's a, one of those that have two sheets. So you're doing stuff for this sheet and this sheet. And so you're trying to make sure you're set up. This way, when the bad stuff happens, you have enough block, depending on where they're coming, whether they're coming from the left, right, or center. Uh, but it's it's such a brain burner. There is a lot going on in this game. Yeah, you, you have like one side of the board where you're basically protecting yourself. You're gaining your resources. You're trying to get... Um, uh, what is it like monuments and stuff like that built into your side? You're building up the wall to protect you from the the raiding uh, picks is what it's supposed to be because mm-hmm. uh, that's who they are in historical aspect because this is an actual thing historical the Hadrian's Wall yeah it's what's protected the northern part of England from the picks when the Romans were um, controlling yeah. it and so you're building up that wall it's still technically there yeah it's still it's there you can actually, yeah you could go see so you could walk along the entirety of it mm-hmm. yep. And so it's there. You can uh, and w- the purpose for what it's for, basically protect, protecting yourself. But you're building all that up. Hadrian's Wall. Um, you're building up one side of the wall. And you're also trying to get your monuments. But then on the other side, you're playing with the troops. So you're trying to either build up your military, or you're trying to build up or get good with. Uh, <laughs> it's basically the mob <laughs> to help you uh, get rid of your negative stuff that you end up picking up, or you're trying to get good with. The, the performers, the troops, and then each one of those sections, there's five different sections. So you have the merchants, the the artists, um, the the mob, I can't remember what they originally called it, or four different troops, the, the military as well. But then not only you have one side of that, but you, there's a whole other game that you're playing with them. So like when you're doing with the artist or the the merchants or the artists, one of the two, that sets up for the gladiatorial things or you're setting up performances or the mob has you helping you fix some stuff or it does one other section because I didn't even play with that section. I don't remember it. Then you have the military units, which allows you to build up your wall or it has like like this little puzzle game that you're playing because you're trying to put little pieces together uh, based on your um, uh, opponents on your left and your right based on what the cards that they played. So it's like, okay, I'm going to do this little thing, and it's a little polynomial game over there. There is uh, so many moving parts. This is a flip and write that lasted an hour, hour and a half, I think. It was No, it, I think it was nearing two. I think it was an hour and a half, on all honesty. It, it took, but when we started playing, it took two hours because we had to learn the game, yes. and there was so many moving parts that you and me kept looking up at each other like, this is a flipping right? <laughs> yeah. but, but that's also one of our like ongoing jokes. Like, like, oh, okay, okay. That <laughs> so, but it was it was really fun. Um, I'm, I enjoy playing it. I want to play it again. I do want to probably pick myself up a copy because this is easily could be a nice little heavy solo game that I want to play uh, if I want to, you know, kill an hour or so. Yeah. So, uh, my last game, Hadrian's Wall. 
So here's my thoughts on Hadrian's Wall. Okay. You don't remember it at all, do you? I do. I okay. remember it quite well. I have one big bone to pick with the game. Uh, now, but other the, than that... The designer's name is Bobby Hill, so go ahead. <laughs> Damn it, Bobby. <laughs> no. The, there's one par- problem with the game. And this has nothing to do with the designer. No, it does have to do with Shen Phillips. It's the publisher. Uh, Purple and blue as two of the options. And here's my problem with it. They reverse the colors on the thing, so the darker color, because you and me can really yes. see the purple and blue. We can so see the, the purple the and blue. The darker meeple is actually the lighter meeple on the paper, yes. and the lighter meeple is the darker meeple. Yes. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, you got to be kidding me. Yes. It drove me insane. Yes. I, I get where you're going, yes. How dare you have... I mean, yellow and black and blue would be good combination picks. Pick gray. Oh, in fact, they had yellow, Anything else. black, and... Yeah, yellow, black, is, and blue are great picks yeah. for those And they colors. had white as well. That's fine. Why white. couldn't you give us gray instead of purple? Cause, yeah. Oh, man, it, it was frustrating. Like, it doesn't need to be more than that. Like, it... But purple and blue? Whoever, and then whoever chose them. that. Whoever chose that deserves to be fired. And not only that... Right now. Reversing them on the freaking papers. Yes. Because... The purple was actually the lighter color on the paper, but it was the darker meeple. It was the darker meeple, yes. Oh my god, it drove me insane. Yeah, that's why it took us two hours. Because <laughs> you and me, could, it's like, this is the right meeple, right? Yes, yeah, you use that we one. We both have that same thing. It's like, alright, so we have, I see where the black meeples go, I see where the white ones go, and the blue and the yellow. Cool, that's everything. And they're like, alright, do you see where the purple goes? And we was like, there's purple? What? What are you talking about? Mm. I see the blue... Is that what you're talking about? Like, because I've made that mistake before. It's like, oh, here's the blue. No, it's actually purple. Oh, no, okay. okay. No. I found the blue. You're telling me where the purple is now? There's what? purple here? What? How dare uh, you? It, it, like How I dare said, you? And the, again, my big thing is like, the purple meeple is the darker meeple. Yeah. But it's the lighter meeple on the paper. So yeah. I'm like, okay, this is the light one. It matches it. No, that's blue. But... But, but it, th- it's light. Yeah. yeah like, so you just had to remember that. No, but other than that, other than that, for being so super heavy, like, uh, flipping right, yeah. I actually really liked it. It was, it was, it was, it was fun. genuinely fun. Yeah. I had fun with that one. And then after we, right after that one, we played Wayfarers. I mean, if I had to pick between the two, definitely, I mean, without a doubt, Hadrian's. I don't know how, what I would pick over it. Oh, Hadrian's Wall in a heartbeat. Because I, I really liked a lot of the stuff that was in Wayfarers, honestly. I just remember playing it late at night. I want to play it when I'm not so tired. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that was a factor. And like I said, it was fine. But Hadrian's Wall was memorable. Mm-hmm. Very memorable. So, good job for Bobby Hill. Um, you know, I'm glad you're not just known for the TV show. That's good. <laughs> That's such a That was such a dumb joke. I'm sorry. The actual designer, you know, you're probably an awesome dude. I'm just um, pulling up the poll real quick. Right. So, we're going to get into this episode now. Now, again, we went over the top eight earlier. We're going to start debating them here in a bit, and because this is our Champions Edition, I brought this special coin, even though we introduced it uh, last, last week. week. This coin was from the Baton Death March 25th anniversary. This is a massive coin. Every time we get a coin, we jump it up a little bit. This was our last coin of doom. This is our new one. 
uh, Baton Death March, uh, what they do here where yes, we the live. Memorial Death March. The, yeah, yes. the Memorial. That's its, it's 25th anniversary yeah. compared to the actual Baton Death March was happened in the 40s. So. Yeah, World War II. <laughs> right. uh, 1942 yeah. was when that happened. So yeah, no, this is the 25th anniversary of the marathon that they run in memorial, <laughs> memorial to it. To, yes, yeah. Thank you for that clarification. <laughs> but the number is tails. The symbol is heads. So we're going to be using this today for our debate. And this is the Cup of Doom. You, you probably saw me, if you watched the video, me writing stuff out where we were talking about the news yep. and stuff like that. We use the Cup of Doom to decide who's going to debate what. All right. So that way we can take all of our bias out of it. And the final way we take our bias out of it to t- determine the ultimate of the champions in this episode we have five different categories that we will rank each of these on, and the one that wins the majority of those categories moves on to the next segment. Uh, the first category of which is ease of play, which con- which includes the familiarity or simplicity of the mechanisms, the likelihood to get it to the table, whether it's theme or mechanism, and uh, detriment to it is prone to analysis paralysis. That is a bad thing, the one that's less likely to be prone to that normally a better option our second criteria is replay value this is the length of time and how it scales based on player count Um, as well as the minimum number of plays to get the full experience if you're playing something like chess you already know how to play it after one game doesn't mean you're really good at it but you already know or if you're playing something like a campaign style game where you have to play a set number of games to get the full experience as well as expandability this uh the way we do it it's already existing expansions up to one possible future expansions or expansions that are confirmed by the designer or publisher. That's right. And then the next category we have is meaningful choice, impacting other players' strategies, being able to impact your own long-term strategy, and uh, the lack of arbitrary choices on the gameplay, whether that means if you have no good options sometimes or if you have too many good options, then making your choice less valuable every time you choose it. Um, yeah, and I'm just muting some conversations with my family before they decide to start texting us while we're in the middle of the game. Uh, the next one here is Game Immersion. Uh, this one, we added something different uh, compared to what we used to be doing, yep. and that is the big thing, is the game fun to lose. Um, next up is player interaction. This includes table talk, role playing, getting into the game, which leads us to our final criteria of this category, Memorable moments. What are those things that are going to make you stand up and shout out in front of an entire crowd? Yep, and then we have, finally, art and productions. Uh, The art, the graphic design, and the pieces and components. We take a look at all three of those different parts. Art is obviously subjective, um, but sometimes pieces are pretty obvious, whether they're better quality. Um, I just saw a review from the Dice Tower where they took a very anticipated game and knocked it down because the pieces were so small, the graphic design was poor, mm-hmm. and they dropped it a no, quite a few number of ratings lower because of that alone. Yeah, I mean, we do that We do the, the same time. thing. Yeah. yeah, so that what I'm saying is they stole it from us. No. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, when it all comes down to it, the most important thing for us, if we can't come into an agreement, and if it somehow becomes a push with those five categories... We go to the fan vote. They are sure. our tiebreaker. Whichever one of those two games is highest voted on moves on. Okay. Are you ready to begin? I'm ready to begin. You want to flip the coin to do? That's right. Here comes our first flip of the Champions Edition. Oh, by the way, let's explain Champions Edition because this is special for us. This is the end of our, our third season. This mm-hmm. is our third Champions Edition where we've taken all of the previous years. What's going to happen to the winner of this uh, debate 
These are all previous winners of previous debates. Mm -hmm. And the reason why we have this Champions Edition, mainly because we're sick of talking about the games, (laughs) but they will be what we call ascended, and we will no longer debate them from that point on. It doesn't mean we have to stop talking about the game. No, we still will. But they will never be in the top eight debate again until, say, we go into eight years, and you can hear my dog barking in the background. But the fact of the matter is, after eight years, maybe we'll define who's the definitive champion. That's but right. there's two games on our ascended list as of this moment. That's right. My personal favorite game and one of your favorite games of all time. That's right. Gloomhaven and, and Pandemic Legacy Season 1. So the winner of this debate will join those for the highest rankings of the Everyday Board Game Podcast Ascended Top 8 Debates. Champion of Champions. Here we go. Wingspan versus the game. Daniel, you'll be starting us off. It's going to be funny if I get the game. Please. I do. (laughs) I had some good arguments for it, too. Uh, The game is a phenomenal game in in its fact. It it was a nomination for Spiel des Jahres. So that says something Mm -hmm. about the game. And I know my big thing is I'm not a fan of the name because it's it's so confusing. You make the same joke every time we talk about the game. Huh? (laughs) Which one? Yeah. Um, Of course. But it's actually a fairly simple game. It's easier by far than Wingspan. Because all you're doing is you're playing, I think it's like uh, numbers, you have four piles and you go from, there's two descending and two ascending. One through a hundred. And you're playing, you have to play at least one card, possibly two, and you got to play out the deck. However, there's times where you're like, oh, God, i got to play a card, but I don't want to play these cards because it's going to jump one of these four piles massively. And there's ways you can trigger, like, say, I play, uh, someone played a 35, which jumped it. I'm like, don't worry, don't worry, just don't play there, I can fix it. Yes. And then I play a 25, which jumps it down, and I follow that up with a 27. Because you can always play a 10 10 in either direction in the opposite of what it's going for. Yeah. Meaning if it's in the ascending pile, you can have 10 below the previously played card. Yeah. And so it works, and you're talking, or you're kind of talking, but you've got to give limited communication as well. Yes. You cannot say what number you have. You have in your hand, but it's like... Don't play in that pile. I can fix it. Yep. But the other person is like, I'm sorry. It's the only place I can do without screwing everything else up. Yes. So it's just like, uh, I love that tension. I love that aspect of the game. There's several copies of this. You can have the one that you have where mm-hmm. it's like the game on fire. All the cards are fire. I have like the target one where it's like flowers and uh, like abstract art to the card. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is for as small a game it is, they just made what a, a duet version of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's head, a head-to-head version. A head-to-head. And they also have um, the game Quick and Easy. Yeah, so there's there's a reason why it has all these varia- variables. Yeah. It is a phenomenal game. It's really good. It deserves to be on our list. I just don't think it's going to go very far. Well, we'll find out. So the game I'm going to be arguing for is actually one I haven't argued in about a year, so I'm less sick of it. But it is Wingspan. And I mean, when this game came out, oh my god, there was about two or three years where people just wouldn't shut up about this game. They still game. won't shut up about and it. And they still don't. And the friend of the podcast, Jamie Stegmeyer, who was kind enough to join us, mm-hmm. you know, I, I have a lot of respect for him and his company and really what he does. Um, out of all the games he publishes, that's one of my least favorite but that still that doesn't mean I wouldn't I wouldn't deny playing it. I would d- gladly play it if you mm. said, "Hey, let's play Wingspan." Okay, yeah, let's play. Yeah, it. if it's one of my picks for the week, you're, sure. you have no problem playing. Yeah, it. I'd play it. I wouldn't, 
you know, I it, it's not something I go out and buy because mm-hmm. I do feel other things replace it for me. But that's yeah. just for me. I get why everyone else likes it, though. Um, non-offensive theme. It has a wonderful theme, really. I mean, I, uh, I like yeah, it. In all honesty, I don't care about birds, but I like is, it. It actually really set up a nature theme um, renaissance. Uh, I mean, yeah. You, you know what? You're probably right on that. Because it, was, but... it came out in 2019. Look at all the games that came out after it. That uh, Meadow... You have uh, Parks. You have, um, uh, what is that other one that just came out? Uh, well, not really the Trekking Through National Parks. That was like one of the first ones. Right. But they, all the games, that, uh, Earth, most recent one, Ark Nova, stuff yeah. like that. The, the the animal themes, the nature themes, that you really see that renaissance because of Wingspan. Right. And, and <sighs> yeah, it made it more accessible and people realized like, oh, these nature themes are mm-hmm. really popular. So, I mean, as far as like, Immersion. You 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 claim that this has a very heavy theme of bird watching. I don't know anything about bird watching. I don't think anything that putting birds in a tableau have anything to do with bird watching. But um, mechanistically wise, I appreciate the fact that every bird is different. I like how all of them have different uh, the different biospheres that they can live in, mm-hmm. basically, uh, whether it's ground, water, or trees or sky or whatever. And Forest, uh, grasslands, and wetlands is yeah. what it is. Yeah. And so you have those different factors of where they go. You have these abilities to combo multiple cards off each other. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, I, I just feel like it's it's fairly deterministic by the randomness of the cards. Mm-hmm. It's not too bad, but it's it's still... And there's, there's ways there's around still... it. In fact, uh, with all the expansions, um, they say highly recommend just use one or two, maybe right. three. But my 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 counter argument is that because it, the the coolest part about the game is the fact that all of those birds and there's hundreds of cards in the base game are all different mm-hmm. is also its detriment because if you don't if you're aiming to try and do a certain thing and those aren't coming up then that's a lot harder and it's I not something that. that you can maintain. I get that. That's a minor quibble, but but I mean the same thing that could be said on. about the game. It's very lucky because you're just pulling off the top of right. The but too. that's also not an hour long game. <laughs> that is true. So I mean that's that's. If you're good, it's about 15 minutes. <laughs> if you're not so good, it's a lot quicker. So, I mean, you don't have that option of slowing, of making it quicker if you're not so good at wingspan. It's always going to be a little bit longer. Um, you know, I, I get your argument against it, uh, or why the game might not move on. Um, and I don't disagree with you. There is some problems with the game as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it is fairly lucky. Uh, yeah. But there is a lot the- of strategy. Um but a, a lot of it goes into, like, how people can read each other and how can mm-hmm. you say that information without saying the information, which I really like in games. Like, how can I say something without saying something? Like, no, how no, can you I do this that. without the yeah. other? So, but with that said, I think, I don't think we need to go into the specifics. I, I, I think we both agree that our number one seed, I don't want to speak for you, but... Yeah, I agree. Yep. That as much on. as I like the game, it, it is, I like... Every, I prefer the game over Wingspan. Every single game on this list, except for one, I thoroughly enjoy. Yes. Oh, there's fewer that I enjoy. <laughs> I, I like quite a few of them, but that stays, some of them not so much. That goes. Right. What's cool about it is that uh, my stickies that I'm using are uh, my alma mater, Go Mexico next. State, and it's a shape of our state. That's pretty fun. <laughs> All right, on to round number two. We're going to have Marvel Champions versus Colt Express. I almost put it in my coffee cup. <laughs> all right. You'll be starting this off again? Yeah, all right. Well, I know which one I want, but I didn't get it. 
I ain't going to be arguing Colt Express, which means you have to argue uh, <laughs> the one you don't like. I, first I, didn't, first I didn't get the the Spiel, the spiel, the spiel uh, nominee. nominee. Now I don't get the Spiel winner. <laughs> Alright, uh, right, so Colt Express. Okay. Uh, this one is a fairly fun game. I understand why it won the Spiel de Jars. It's real simple. You're just playing some cards, kind of... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Kind of like mechs versus minions where it's not procedurally generated. What's the word I'm looking for? Random? No, the you're playing the cards and then the game pops off. I forget how it works. Uh, what's it called? It's uh, like coding. I can't think of the term for the mechanism. Where you're playing like out, playing it out, and then the stuff happens. So like the punches, or you're moving. Oh, it's programming. Programming. That's yeah. the word I, I couldn't mean, figure out. But you said it though. No, I said coding. Yeah, you said programming coding. I didn't know if I said programming. I said coding. It's the computer Rewind coding. It, you'll yeah. see. It. I don't know. But yeah, know. it's it's uh, programming where you're playing your cards out, expecting your character to do certain things. You're basically on a train, which actually looks really good. Uh, Especially the bigger one. My argument for Gold Express is the fact that I can't get my fat sausage hands inside the actual sure. train to move things. Yeah, great components, but functionally, <laughs> eh, but they're pretty as all get out. Yeah, it's really cool. You're playing basically on a three board. You can go into the, 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 the train car or on top of the train car. Mm-hmm. You're trying to get your loot before you get knocked out. Person with the most loot at the end of the you game. You know, for wins. a minute I thought you were talking about Marvel Champions. I'm like, on a train? What are you talking about? Sorry. Cult so the, no, I know. It's I'm not used to you arguing for Cult Express. I know. That threw me off so bad. Keep going. Sorry. But yeah, it, it's it's fairly fun game. Again, it's not... Well, they just made like an extra large version of it not yep. too long ago where you can actually get your hands into it, so I need to play that copy. But, uh, or no, it wasn't an extra large one. It was a flat one, isn't it? Where, it yeah. So, Super Cult Express, the card yeah, game? Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty fun too. So it's it's fine. I like the game for what it is. It's not my favorite. It's much easier to play than Marvel Champions. Yes. I will highly admit. Um, was there an expansion for it? I can't remember. Yes, yes, uh, that's right. Quite a few. Yeah, there's yeah. at least two. My um, only extra box my thing is like they give you there's like, there's an expansion where you can jump off of the train onto a horse and ride along the train. That's and they have a mini DeLorean, too, that you can put oh, at the front God. of the train. No. no, that's hilarious. No, they're jumping you, the shark now. No, 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 no. That was like one of the first promo. It's just a promo. It's not even an expansion. Yeah. But you can jump onto the DeLorean, and you can actually go back and pick different cards. Oh, that's no. amazing. No, go back no, in that, time. Again, that's that is, unla- that's that is jumping the shark. No, that's that's absolutely hilarious. No, it's not. That fits perfectly into the humor of this game. Because it's supposed to be like, I mean, you're shooting people and all you're doing is giving them a card that's a bullet. Yeah, I, I, I get that. But that's again, it's it's not as good as you think it is. I I quite like it. Because of the fact of the matter, it actually can take you out. Because then it makes me just think of Back to the Future rather than the game I'm playing sure, right now. Which is supposed promo. to be a Western style that, game. That one little promo, sure. Yeah. yeah. But the game itself is fine. Uh, it's got really interesting mechanisms that you're playing. You're programming your movements, but something can happen. It can be random at times because you're based on the, the, the draws. Sure. Um, I don't enjoy it, but I understand why it's here. Uh, okay. But go ahead and do your thing. All right, Marvel Champions. Um, man, this was, for a hot minute, this was like the number one game that anybody who was a Marvel fan was playing for a while. It's still I my mean, favorite it, Marvel get, uh, game, except for uh, X-Men yeah, United came X-Men out. X-Men United, yeah. I mean, and I like United better. Um, Marvel Champions, it's um, 
It's Speaking a deck-based game. It's kind of like a living card game. Yeah, right? Here we go. Let's do some show-and-tell. Like, You know, Marvel Champions, the way this works is that you have your heroes. You're playing against... It's an LCG from Fantasy Flight. A co-op LCG. Cooperative LCG. And you are playing against the um, villains mm-hmm. and, and their schemes. Um, you're try- Each of the decks has their own character in it. You are using embodying that character into trying to use their skills and abilities against the villain and trying to do enough damage to defeat them. And the thing is, there's two sides for the characters. You have mm-hmm. their alter ego and their actual hero yep. abilities. Yep. So you can change between the two, depending on which abilities you need to use. Some yep. cards, I think, only work when you're in the alter form. Some mm-hmm. is when yep. you're in the superhero form, which is interesting. Um, the fact that they have to playtest this for all the different abilities and stuff like that for it to... like. The, yeah. the Iron Man thing is where you search your deck to get more parts for your sure. Iron Man stuff, or the Wolverine with his healing factor and stuff like that. Right. So, I, I that aspect is like that blows my mind. That right. probably that takes for freaking ever. Yeah, I mean it's impressive, but it's something that Fantasy Flight is very capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Is proven, right? And you know the art. I mean, it's standard comic book art. I mean, it, I don't think they made their own art for it. Mm-hmm. Did they? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, then it's pretty darn true to. It's source material. They work with the like case. the comic book people, but yeah, they made their own art for it. Okay, that's interesting. And so you know, the base set alone comes with quite a quite a few villains, quite a few heroes. Uh, three villains, five heroes. Yep. So lots of replayability. Just um, out of the box. With I again, I understand entirely why people like this game. I absolutely can't stand this game. <laughs> it is miserable, and and I... not because it's superheroes. And I want I want this to be heroes. very I want this to be very clear. I mean, superheroes is not a, a a thing that I enjoy in the first place. But let me be very clear on this: if it's a theme of something I don't like, if the game is good enough for me to en- or if I enjoy playing the game, I can appreciate the theme, whether it's something I like or not. Okay. For example, just a couple weeks ago at the comic shop, I played here, Kitty Kitty. And I forgot how funny that game is. It's hilarious. I don't like cats at all. But that is one game that I will very proudly have in my collection. And we played it. Mm-hmm. And it was funny again. And I remember why I have it. That's what I'm talking about. Marvel United even does everything that I think Marvel Champions does. But simpler and better and and makes more sense. And it's an easier... It's an easier jumping yes, point. Yes and no. I, I agree I, with you on that aspect of it. Marvel Champions gets the feel of the heroes better than Marvel United. Sure, but it still doesn't get the feel of the heroes. Yes, it does. It really doesn't. And As and someone see, who the reads the comics and knows the character, I say yes. Uh, nothing <laughs> about this game makes me want to get into the universe. And that's the thing. Like, Star Trek Panic got me into Star Trek. The Firefly board game got me into Firefly because I was I played yes, the game, I enjoyed the game, the, and I was like, fact you know what, I like is, this source. You already had a bias to superheroes because you can't say the game will get you into something. You don't like Harry Potter, but yet you like Hogwarts Battle. Yes. So that's a contradiction to your argument. Right. <laughs> but no, that's what I'm saying because the game is solid enough where I can appreciate... I can appreciate that part. But of you're it. knocking this, this because game, it can't get you into the comics, where it is Harry Potter can't get you into the Harry Potter books either. No, it's not. I'm I'm just I'm saying this game isn't good enough to get me into the comics. Oh, it's amazing. I know that's a very heavy statement, but it's just this game is even at like three or more players, you're just sitting back 
And half the time, you're just waiting to do math. It's not fun. It's not enjoyable. This comes from the guy who likes Lost Cities, where it's basically math the board game. Yeah, but at least I don't have to sit there for two hours. Honestly, I, I agree with you on the fact that it doesn't this, scale well. This won't I bring a this new player in. at one or two. Uh, it won't. It would. It would not. It, it is would. too complicated. Honestly. So, I think we already need to break this down. Okay. Easy play, fine. fast up, uh, is easy. That's Cold Express. Yes, I agree. Uh, replay value is... <laughs> Other than the scaling well, it's Marvel Champions. Yes, Yes, I agree. Yeah. There's definitely more expandability. Um, There's more variation. 100%. I agree. Um, Game immersion. You do realize, though, also, if it doesn't go on, we have to argue it again. No, it's fine. (laughs) Okay. No, it's fine. I'm I'm okay with that. I want to give it its its reasonable thing. Meaningful choice. Um, This is tricky for me, so we're going to come back to it, because I think they both have really good choices. I just think there's more in Marvel's Champions because it's based on going into your alter ego mode, when you've got to choose the hill, when you got to do something right. against the villain, or do okay. I fight the thing in front of me, where Cult Express is basically programming, but you're beholden to what's in your hand. Right. Well, now, there is a factor of that, too. Mm-hmm. Like, is that you only have a deck of, like, I think, ten cards starting, mm-hmm. and on one of your turns, instead of having to play a card, you may skip and draw three cards. So, I mean... And then yeah, but you, that if you, you don't get anything that you, you have. also get ooze in a complete turn because you're, you're one, one part of a turn. Yes. Yeah, but you have to draw three cards, so I have to skip my turn to draw three cards. Yeah, yeah. But there's that option, right? But I mean, you, it's like I it's like a get, mulligan in magic. But the thing is, it's a mulligan in magic. But I could get knocked out or beat sure. up and knocked out of the the car that I'm in right. because I had to. You know, the cards are not working for me. Sure. Yeah, we'll come back to that then. Game immersion. That's got to be Colt Express. See, honestly, I didn't have fun. That game is not fun to lose for me. Uh, Marvel's Champion isn't fun to win in my case. I love Marvel's Champions, and it is fun to lose in that game, because I've lost in one at all times. The player interaction is so much more solid than in... I'll give you the player interaction, fine. And when when the memorable moments, like when you defeat Marvel, sure. I can tell you for a fact... You were the only one that didn't have a memorable moment when we were playing Marvel Champions. Me and our mutual friend, we were playing, and we're high-fiving. It's like, oh, I like this. Or when I was playing the Hulk, I'm like, oh, I love what's going on here, and I'm doing this. I'm getting into the game. But I have that immersion. That takes you so much out of it, though. If you're if you're not already just a Marvel fan, like, and even then, like, I feel okay, like part of it is just thing. nostalgia. You're saying a Marvel fan, right? Yes. And that you can't get into it. And right. Nostalgia, no. Because I could feel how the characters are working because I am a Marvel fan. However, I'm also a Western fan, and I can't stand Colt Express. I probably watched more Westerns and read more Western stuff and did a lot. Because sure. of who my father was, I do not get a Western right. theme in Colt Express But no, the memorable all. moments, there are so many stand-up moments where you... Where the where the sheriff gets moved in the right time, somebody jumps up, then it's a murder scene as you pile bullets onto people. That's hilarious. Mm, no, I... All right. So then we're not budging on fun to lose... Mm-mm. And we're not budging on memorable moments. Game immersion goes to Colt Express. Yes, because of player interaction. There okay. is, I'll give you that. There is more player right. interaction. On now, that. art and production. The, the pieces and components, of course, are better in Colt Express. Uh, well, you know, yeah. Because it's basically it's just, just cards. cards. Yeah, it's just cards. And the tokens, like, they're, they're, they're fine. fine. Um, the art, you know, 
for that, I, that is again. Really I don't care about superheroes, but I do appreciate how what how that good art is, is great. Art. Honestly, I, although I do really like the art in Cult Express, I I'm think it's fun. Fine with it. It's just it's pretty good. It's too. Uh, yeah. It's not really cartoony, but it's just I don't know. I just it doesn't really draw to me. Uh, but that, these are that still also, sealed, right? Yeah, those are sealed. Um, yeah. I can pull. Uh, it's right behind you, where you can grab. No, that's fine. Um, I'm just thinking of the graphic design. The uh, it's icon heavy, but it's easy enough to read. It's not really that icon yeah. heavy. It just has some. They have a board though, where like different colors appear, right? Like no. the little, it's like a little scale thing for what? The, the, that one? Marvel Champions, yeah. No, which game am I thinking of that has? That? I have no clue which one you're thinking of. Because no, Marvel Champions, it has three things: you either attack, or you um, deal with like the schemes and stuff like that, mm-hmm. or it allows you to draw cards out of your deck to pull up cards for your deck. And the only thing you have is like, okay, for me to play this card, I need to pay it with these resources, so I use these cards to pay for this action. And yeah. so uh, it, it tells you, it's like, you got to pay with, I think it's like justice or power and then two other wild. So it's like, okay, this is like three powers. I'll okay. just discard this card to play this card. Okay. So yeah. That, that, that's why it's like that, that graphic design doesn't bother me because I know it. Yeah. Although I, I do think the graphic design in Colt Express is actually a really nice high point because they don't, all of the cards that you play. Uh, are just your color and it has a, a photo in the middle or a picture illustration mm-hmm. in the middle and it has the single icon what it is and the dollar sign the gun the fist punch the, the sheriff thing. badge those are all real I mean they're supposed to be simple but yeah. they're very very solid as to what they do honestly I have no problem calling art and production a push because yeah. pieces is a component one way art the other way and graphic design they're both fairly good graphic design yeah. Yeah. So it goes cool. down to uh, meaningful choice. Okay. So impact on other player strategy in Marvel Champion Champions, you have to play well with your teammates. It's like okay, you are locked up with this guy. This guy's the the, the actual villain is scheming a lot, and then sometimes your personal um, I forget what it's called in there, but your personal crisis card will come up. Every now and then, and you have to deal with that as well as the main scheme. So there's a lot of choice where you have to work with your teammates. Cult Express, it's there too, uh, but it's more sure. along the line of how you're going to program your thing. But if the sheriff moves and it just knocks your program out of the thing, it's it right. can be lucky based there. Right, and then like when you go through tunnels and play it face down, mm-hmm. that's the chaos variable. It's sure is fun and exciting, yeah, but but that, it's not meaningful choice. And, and it's right. a, it's an arbitrary choice that can impact the game. So. I do feel that that the only one of these mm-hmm. that I would give to Cult Express is, is other players' strategies, and that's because you are direct. The only way you can win is by directly impacting the other players. I agree. And and I don't think, like, like it is a game that is designed to be quote-unquote mean by either punching or or um, punching them or, you know, shooting them or whatever. But really, like, the, the detriment to that is not that bad, like, for the most part. I mean, like, yeah, you're stealing gold, but it's just, like, this big, like, free-for-all kind of thing where you bounce back and forth. Like, I steal gold from you. Okay, well, then you're going to do it for me. And then, like, yeah. you know, it's not, like... It's not like oh I steal a goal from you. Well now I just lost. You yeah. know, it's like no, 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 that's the like that's the point. You're just going back and forth. So going through the math, we're at a push. Okay. So no, I'm fine with that. We're gonna go I, over I here. Do, I do little, feel that both quick of those refresh yeah. here. And yeah. Marvel Champions at twenty percent and Colt Express has no votes. Okay. Fair enough for me. Hey, we went as fair as possible. Yep. 
All right, right. moving on to our three six. Yeah. All right. So that was number two. So Marvel Champions. All right. Oh wait, this one. This one. Our next one is going to be between Journeys to Middle Earth and Pitch Car. Very (laughs) different games. Very different games. I'll be starting us off on this one. What's interesting is when we're going to argue, you're getting Lord of the Rings. Okay. Is when we get to art and production because. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. One actually has art. (laughs) (laughs) Wait. I mean, they screen printed the pieces on on Pitch Car, but that's. Is that it? And then they screen printed the cars onto the discs. Real art. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, real art. Yeah, no, I mean, that's like, we don't even need to argue that part. So, Lord of the Rings Journeys to Middle Earth. <laughs> that is a big box campaign game, also from Fantasy Flight, so yeah. immediately has that nod. It took everything that was good about um, Mansions of Madness, the fact that it's app-driven, the fact that it has those expandable stories, the cool minis, the great setting, and it took it, and instead of using Dice's combat, it took it into like a deck building, like mini card yeah, battle card play, system. Yeah. Immediately, if you like, if you like fantasy, this is, and you want something super immersive, this is the game. It's really good. Um, there are some of these categories, art and production, that goes to it immediately. Um, yeah. Uh, they're no longer on his radar. Oh no, I, I, I gotta ask him this, what happened to FFG that they're no longer on your radar? Oof. Uh, but yeah, Lord of the Rings Journeys to Middle Earth. This is how memorable this game is. I've played it once about four years ago. Yeah, it wasn't that long, but yeah, it's close. Yeah, or three years ish. It, like it was before it was before COVID, the lockdowns, and this is twenty twenty three that you're what that mm-hmm. we're filming. And we still us. remember it, so and I still to... very much remember and fondly remember. And I'm not the biggest Lord of the Rings fan. I do like it. I love Lord of the Rings. Yeah. This is just such an immersive game. It's so silly in the ha- like some of the things that you're doing because this takes place between the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings uh, settings. Ish, ish. Um, yeah, you know what? What can they do? Um, but then they they took that. I love that little change of the the combat system that they did to it. I don't mm-hmm. remember exactly how it works, but I do remember it's card that play it, rather than dice that play. depending that, on that. well, you play the cards, and then depending on the card, what kind of attack you're doing, you flip over a certain number of other cards. There is only ever one. There is one problem with the, uh, with the um, miniatures and the and the app mm-hmm. combination. And I don't know if they fixed it in the past three years. I'm assuming they have. But when you have like multiple of the same enemy in a spot, and you're attacking that enemy, you don't know like, and you do some damage, but not all damage. You don't know where that enemy is or which one it is. Yeah, it's so if they move to a yeah. different spot, it's still a little weird. You don't know that. Um, I have one problem with the Journeys of the Middle Earth. Which is? I'd rather play Arkham Horror. <laughs> it's in the same system. I'd rather play the, the uh, what is it, Mansions of Madness? Mansions of Madness, yeah. Compared That's to fine. I'd rather play Lord of the Rings myself. I, I'm okay with Arkham Horror and all that setting. Yeah. doesn't bother me at all. Um, it's just, I, I like fantasy better than I do horror. I uh, see. At least for... For the I longest time, I thought I liked fantasy more than horror, but just more and more, I get more into the the horror sure. aspect of it. I love, you know, that what's around that corner. It gives you more of the tension than, right. okay, I know that Warg went over into the fog of war. Right. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll take it at that. Illuminous, uh, let's see here. Oh, everything went down after they killed my Netrunner. And he thinks War of the Rings card game is better than Journey to Middle Earth, which okay. is fair. Um, yeah. But 
the problem with the journey or the the War of the Ring card game is a two player game. We don't get two player games played all that often. Right. No. That's and he'd rather play Descent, and he thinks that's a bad game. Now, third, Descent Third Edition, I heard, is a pretty bad game. I don't know about the the second, second edition. edition was pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. I liked it. Uh, but yeah, overall, uh, I like Journeys to Middle Earth, and this is one of the few games I don't own on this list that I would probably. I've still every once in a while thought about like, yeah, I should pick that up. That was pretty good. Yeah, and it's been that many years. I'm still like. Oh, I would, I would still pick it up. I, I mean, I would pick it up if it's on sale or something like that. But yeah. I honestly, for me, if I'm going to play that system, I'm going to go with Arkham Horror. Sure. Because I, I, I like that more. Right. It was fine. I had fun with it. Um, and I, I am a huge uh, Tolkien fan. I've read a lot of his book. Mm-hmm. I've read The Cimmerillion. I haven't watched the new show because I'm just worried about it. My... Uh, with the Lord of the Rings game, it's actually uh, uh, a book game series. It's along the same lines as Princess Bride and yeah. Wizard of the Oz. Yeah, it's like an adventure book, book series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my argument for Pitch Car, and honestly, I want to say it's going to move on over Lord of the Rings because it's just it's more fun to play. But Dexterity just has a very hard time moving on and stuff like this. Right. Because as much fun as it is, there's not really a lot of gain to it because basically you're just flicking something and you want to stay on the track as best as possible. Uh, that's the core of the game. You're flicking a stone around a racetrack and trying to stay on. Now, it is fun. It's probably one of the most pure fun game on this list because I remember when we played this game, we were just giggling and laughing and then somebody would knock you off the racetrack and you curse them out and just mm-hmm. you have a lot of fun with this aspect of it. It's it's much easier to play than Lord of the Rings. That though it's not Lord of the Rings is not that hard. There's just a lot more moving parts because of the app and depending on the actual scenario you're playing. Um, it's, for me, that's easier, because all it is is you're flicking your thing and trying to stay on the track. Um, the replayability, it's kind of a push for me on that aspect, because based on the app play, and based just out of the box, there's a lot of different setups that you can play for Lord of the Rings scenario-based. This one's more campaign-style. That's why it's probably going to win the, win the replay value. Just because it is campaign, so you're doing this to keep furthering along the story. Right. Where a pitch card, the only variability really is in different racetracks that you pick up. You can do, and it isn't even in the rule books, where like uh, first person to make three laps will win the race. And then they'll get points, and you basically make like a like a, a series out of it. So different racetracks gives you your points. Whoever has the most points at the end wins the series, in a sense, like what you see in most racing, like F1 or NASCAR. But there's that. So, but for me personally, the only reason I would like Pitch Car to move on is just it's much more fun to play. But honestly, as a game, it's not right. that great of a game compared right. to something like Lord of the Rings. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's tricky, right? Mm-hmm. Because we've had this debate before where we say, how does strategy compare to skill? Mm-hmm, exactly, and, and I feel like meaningful choice. If you have a skill, and you're able to enact that skill more, that is a meaningful choice mm-hmm. because that is something that you are using to your benefit. Just like if if I am able to strategize better than you, I should be able to come out on top in a strategy game. Yeah, more often than not. Um, so I feel like that fits into that category. If we brought it down, ease of play is pitch card, duh. Yeah. Um, art and components, I would say, is... It's Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Um, 
even if I want to say Pixar has better components just for the tracks and that thing, right. the art and the graphic design is just right. a lot simpler. And then because the app. Right, exactly. And then, um, you know, but even game immersion, though, I feel like you're going more on a journey in Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. than you are racing in pitch car. Yeah, the, the only game immersion I really get for pitch car is the, the player interaction because you are talking a lot you are yes. joking around you, uh-huh. you there is a lot of table talk because you're and honestly i can see it's like one of those games like if you're just i know you don't drink but if they're you're just around the table sure. hanging out with your friends drinking a few beers it's it's a fun game to play we're one of the games you are lord of the rings you really have to pay attention to what you're doing right. and you can't get into it by role-playing your character and sure. stuff like that yeah and i feel like it does a good service to the the, the, the IP, yeah. Yeah, there's very few companies that could pull off an IP like Lord of the Rings, something that big, and do a decent job to it. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I think with all those things considered, I think Lord of the Rings would move on. Yeah, I agree. All right. Lord of... I just put L-O-T-R. <laughs> L-O-T-R. And that will move on against a game you do not like. That's right. And now our last one will be Dixit versus Return to Dark Tower. Shall we even debate this? And now I know which one I'm going to get, too. It'll be my first. All right. Of course I did. Of course I did. Let me tell you. This is the way this thing has been going all day. That's right. Dixit, let me tell you. It's a Spiel des Jahres winner. It has wonderful art. Really good art. And it was revolutionary for what it did. And it's funny because we had a whole conversation about this before we started. <laughs> I'm struggling. Like, and I'm taking my bias out of it because those those are the three biggest things about it. Okay. It is I'll a very simple game. Dixit, ease of play. Ease of play. Yes. <laughs> done. Art and production. Possibly. <laughs> I mean, the art, yes. You I don't know. know. The art's pretty nice in uh, Return it, to the Dark Knight. It's okay. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. I mean, but Dixit. Dixit's art would only work if it had good art, and it only does work because it has good art. Good art, yeah. Yes, I mean, that's there's no debate on that. Now, uh, pieces and components, that's a return to Dark Tower. <laughs> Let's be real. And, then, and I would um, say the graphic design, too, because honestly, it's just nice art in Dixit. There's not really graphic yeah, design. It doesn't need graphic design. And you go around the board. But, here, I mean, here's the thing, though. There's never been a problem with colorblindness. There's not, there's not a problem with symbology. There's not a... Now, I'm not saying that there is problems with, with Return to Dark Tower, because I don't think there is. No. But at the same time, it I mean, it doesn't need the graphic design, because that's the point. It's theater of the mind, is what you're doing. So, Dixit, uh, for those of you you guys who don't know what Dixit is... Uh, first it off, is relatively the podcast, old, too. It's pretty old, yeah. So, the way it works is quite simple. You have a card, um, and you pick one of the cards from your hand, and you tell a story about it to everybody else who's playing. Now, it could be as simple as... Uh, telling an actual story. Um, or just a one-word clue. Or a one-word clue, or even just a noise, or you go, bang, and then just hope that it'll figure it out. You know, you can be as vague or as specific as you want. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the thing is, you, as a storyteller, does not you do not want everyone to be able to figure out what you're doing, but you want at least some people to figure it out. Mm-hmm. You want at least one person to yes. figure out what you're doing, or else you don't get points. Right, exactly. So then, after you place on that card, everyone else looks at their card, and all these cards are just beautiful, different, surreal imagery. Um, everyone else takes a card from their hand that might match your story. They're put into the middle, they're mixed up, they're random, and then they're they're dealt out for everyone to see. Everyone who is not the storyteller votes on which one matches the story. Now, if I play if I was the storyteller, again I'm gonna get points if 
at least one person, but not everyone, voted for my card. Mm-hmm. So again, there's that little balance of of saying, and if you're not, how the do I tell you without telling you? Yeah, you're also getting points. Um, based on who did pick your card right. rather than the storyteller. So if I'm the storyteller and you're not, anybody who votes for your card gets points as well because you match the story closer. Mm-hmm. And so you can kind of play that into it. And the cards are specifically designed where, you know, a lot of stuff can be coerced into others. A lot of them can be, like, represented in other ways. Mm-hmm. Like, that's 100% the idea. Now, I, I, I do also like the fact that if you are the storyteller in your card gets picked by everybody. You're the only one that doesn't get points. Yeah, everybody everyone else gets, gets points, yeah. Because everybody who guesses the correct answer gets a point. So there's three different real ways to get points there, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and that part's okay. You know, that, that this, the point system, it had to be there because it's 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 a game and not yeah. just an activity. Um, and it does it well for that. Now, again, art is phenomenal on it. Mm-hmm. And this was one of those revolutionary games where once this came out, people were like, oh, you can do that with games. And this yeah. only worked because the art was so phenomenal. For people who are not familiar with Dixit, it's along the same lines as something like Apples to Apples or um, Cards Against Humanity where but, there's a good one, system. but it, it's not a judge system, basically. Right. But one person is dictating what's going on and then... Everybody's voting on it. Everyone else, like, adds to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I I like it for what it does, and I like the fact that it's a Spiels Jahres winner. I do own it, um, because I own all the Spiels Jahres winners. If I didn't, I wouldn't own this game. Because I feel like be- this was this was one of those games that crawled so or uh, walked so other games can run. Mm-hmm. Because almost every other game that uses this system, simil- or Similo... Um, Mysterium, uh, Obscurio, Obscurio uh, Muse, all Stella. of these, Stella, all of these games that use the system took what it did and ramped it up and did and for that it has my my appreciation appreciation yes. So with that being said, Dixit, I could make a pretty solid argument for it to go on, but let's hear yours. Uh, Return to Dark Tower, it, it won our twenty twenty two game of the year. It it's such a fun game. And again, it's along the same lines of Journey to Middle Earth. It's app-based. Uh, so you have to make sure you do have the app. And the app is still in use, in a sense. But I, what I love about this game is just how variable it is. Mm-hmm. How you can pick the different monsters. You can pick the big bad. You pick the scenario. So it's saying, okay, we're going to do this aspect of it. Like I played one where we needed the force to walk up and help us break the dark tower, a la something like Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is so fun. Uh, it has great, great components. Even if you don't have the minis expansion, yeah. the the little cardboard pieces work just fine. Has nice artwork on it. But honestly, where they put their budget in is that tower. That yes. tower is amazing. It's Bluetooth. It gives you that interaction. A lot of times we'll put music on in the background to help us get into the ambiance of the games we're playing. You don't have to do it because the tower is scary. And so, like, when you hear the motors going and you know it's like, hey, you got to pull one of these off. And you're like, I hope all those skulls are not on my side. But you're also like, we kind of need this to open up because there's a bunch of skulls in there. And if we don't have enough skulls, we lose the game. Mm. I just love all the aspects of this game. It, it It's fun to lose. That, that's one of the main things we want yes. to talk about is this is 
pretty much one of the funnest or the most fun games to lose yes. because it's tough. Uh, it does go long. That's a big thing too. The length of time sure. in the scaling well is a is a bit of an issue, but between the scenarios, between the um, mm-hmm. the the role playing aspect. Okay, I'm the brutal warlord. So our friend, when we played it, he was the brutal warlord. He really got into it because his whole character is about like I'm sacrificing you guys for we could win this game. So he's like sending all his people out there, and when you get to fighting the big bad, you don't know how many hits that thing needs. I love that aspect. I wish you see more of that in these campaign style games. It's just like you keep hitting that thing, and then the app will tell you when it's had enough. Right. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that tension is like for that best. For that the tension best. is like, oh my god, this is, what is going to happen? What is going to happen? Oh, I love that. that yep. Return to Dark Tower is probably, well, it is. When we did our top 100, I think yes. it was like my number five or four or something like that. Yep. Pretty close. Because it gives you that tension. You really get into playing this game. It's like, we can play for three hours. It doesn't feel like you're playing for three yep. hours. You're just invested into it. You're watching the things like, okay, we need to clear up these skulls or else we're going to lose something over here. And so it's it's phenomenal. I think personally for me it should move on, but we could break down the criteria if you want to. Or do you? Are you in agreement? No, I actually completely agree with you. Uh, um, and that's just because I don't like Dixit all that much. I mean, it, it's the opposite. Um, I own Dixit, but if I didn't have to for my collection, I wouldn't. Return to Dark Tower, I don't own it, but I want to own it. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. It's... Because it has that immersion. Yeah. It, because it has the ability to play cooperative or, or competitive. Everything in it does make sense. It's not as complicated as a game that big normally is. It's immersive, it's creative, it has great components, and it's a really darn fun game. Yeah, it is It is a lot of fun. So, right. we're in agreement? Alright, that's right. This so, is going to be interesting. So, Return to Dark Tower. Um, that is going to go up against Wingspan in the next round, and Marvel Champions versus Lord of the Rings in the semi-finals Daniel, would you like to read how many votes? Sure thing. So the first game eliminated was the game. It had no votes. Uh, next up here is Colt Express. Again, we mentioned it earlier. There's no votes. Uh, what else didn't go through? Pitchcar? Pitchcar. Pitchcar, no votes. And Dixit was actually tied with Return to Dark Tower Oof. at 20%. So I'm glad we were able to make a consensus. Yeah. And here's the thing about this. Um, we keep the vote opening as we go along. This way more people can get in. So if Return to Dark Tower gets more percentage of the okay. vote later on, it happens. There we go. So moving to the second round, we have Wingspan versus Return to Dark Tower. All right. Let's take a look at this. Wingspan versus Return to Dark Tower. This should be a fun one. Our number one seed versus our number five seed. I'll be starting us off off this argument. You get Return to Dark Tower. That's right. Everything you just said about it. I mean, it's everything it does, it does it well. It has a very clear, concise system. You first choose... Um, like, uh, I forget what it's called on the very top. It's the benefit. You choose, like, one little thing that your character can do. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. What is that called? I can't remember what it's called, but I know what you're talking about. Well, then no, you take an you, you have, uh, when your character, your character a banner, has a, a banner. banner action. Yeah. Yes. You, you do a banner action, and then... And that's your character's special ability. Yes. And then you take an action, which is, you know, whether it's move or interact or whatever... Mm-hmm. And then you um, can interact with the building if you're at the building. Yeah. You can call on the building itself. All of the... I mean, that's really the system. It's it's similar to a pandemic simplicity. But it, it gives this aura of like, 
Like, people who walk up to this not knowing what it is may probably think that it's a really complicated game. Yeah. But actually, because of how it works, I would say this game is easier than Wingspan. I'll agree with you on that. Okay. Not, not a problem. All right. Cool. I, was I, like, I, I know it, that's going to be the controversial statement. Because but the, the thing about first, Wingspan, and I, since I'm arguing for it, I'll go ahead and jump in real quick, is that because those cards are completely different, right. they have their own different abilities. Uh, so, case in point, the Roadrunner. Right. It has to eat with certain things under a certain wingspan, so you're drawing your luck there, too. Yes. Or you got to pay attention to other people's turn. There's just so many And then many just how you're building up on the action. Mm-hmm. So if you do a Wetlands action, da, 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 yeah, you're going to get, I think, eggs. or No, you draw cards. I draw cards it. for the Wetlands, yes. But then you activate every bird in that row. There's like, a lot of moving parts. That, and then, again, yes, anybody who claims that it's a lightweight game, I highly not. disagree with it's you. It's not. Because I also, know. when you're playing birds yes. you have to make sure you pay the egg cost plus right. the bird cost but you also got to remember if you don't have the bird, the food cost right. you can substitute two uh food types right. to equal Which one food everyone type. forgets yeah, it, it's, yeah. It's, it's there's a lot of moving parts in that so return yeah. to dark tower is pretty simple it's all laid out you do this you do this you do this you move on right and then as far as immersion goes you know, oh god yeah <laughs> this it, it doesn't get much more immersive than return to dark tower again mm-hmm. it goes into that like, the fact that they have different scenarios, and each scenario feels different. It feels yeah. like there's some scenarios where you're just moving around the board, just trying to maintain everything, just trying to do your best. There's some where you're trying to defeat the big baddie. There's some where uh, you're trying some to delve into dungeons. That and... big baddie actually freaking burns the, the lake, so yeah. it makes it hard for you to move across exactly. things. Exactly, yeah. it's there's, there's so much that they've done with it, and the fact that they can expand it very simply by just adding on digital packs which i'm a big fan of like yeah dlc there for, there for is games. two expansions for dark tower one that came with the well there's kind of another one but it's right. just a minis expansion that's all it is yes you have the i forget what it's called like the banners or something like that um where you get two different characters and some extra stuff right and then the one that's coming out right now um that was on backer kit early last year so that there is two expansions. I'll say two and a half for the minis. Yeah, clearly this caffeine is not working well enough for me. I apologize for the audio. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it, it's on that. So if I were to break it down, I mean, th- this is my argument. I think Return to Dark Tower actually does beat Wingspan. I think it's close, but I do think it takes it on. Make your argument, and we'll see if it if it does. One thing for sure, I will say this about Wingspan is there's more meaningful choice in a sense because. Sure. You are affecting other people's strategy, or you have to at least play. Watch what because there's cards that will you trigger when other people do a certain sure. action. So, but other than that, I can't I can't disagree with you. Now, I will say this: when it comes to the art production side of things, though, I really like Return to Dark Tower, and I think it wins this one just because of that Dark right. Tower. Stonemaier is probably the creme de la creme when it comes to art production for their their games. Because Wingspan is really good, but compared to some of the other games that... There's is very that few games that put up a fight against, <laughs> against uh, Stonemaier. Yes. Yeah. And I, and I would give you. art to Wingspan, too. I would give art, hands down, to Wingspan. Yeah. But, I mean, but I don't we, even like bird art. That's fine. But I would give it to this. Um, but the pieces and component and the graphic design yeah. uh, wins art in production yeah. for me. Uh, I agree with you. I think Return to Dark Tower is just, in essence, a better game when okay. it comes to our criteria yeah i like wingspan more because that's just me i like birds i have a like three different bird feeders in our well actually i have four different yeah. bird feeders in our background uh so 
there is a lot for me to like about Wingspan, but when it comes to like the game immersion, the possibility, the replay value, the yes. only thing that Wingspan really wins there, because both of them can be long games, mm-hmm. is the fact that um, it has a lot of expansions. It, we know for sure there's going to be six expansions. Right. Yeah. Um, who knows how many they do for a Dice Tower. Mm-hmm. I know two so far. Yeah. But I agree with you. Um, I think Return of Dark Tower. Moves All right. On. Sounds good. This is the quiet part where we're writing, we're stuff, writing down. stuff down. All right. Return of Dark Tower beats it out. All right. Cool. Well, I'm so happy that they're offering us a chance to promote yeah, our I'll channel. Yeah, I'll take care of that. Yeah, go ahead and delete that. All right. So the next category, <laughs> we're responding to the, to the Twitter comments. Um, <laughs> bye. All right. So... The next one will be Marvel Champions uh, versus Lord of the Rings. Uh. <laughs> Let's see which one I have to argue. Knowing how this has been going today. <laughs> knowing how this it is. You'll get Marvel Champions again. Let's find out. I'm arguing first. You get Lord of the Rings, so you're good. <laughs> no, I, I mean, my bias aside, I do think Lord of the Rings moves on past this. Because if you think about it, you know, you're you're playing this epic storyline. There's there's really doesn't get much more epic than Lord of the Rings or anything Marvel, right? Like those are kind of like the big heavy hitters as far as just about any kind of fiction. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know too many that can compare to those. Yeah. In fact, I'm struggling to try and think of anything. Star Wars. That's probably about it. When it comes to fiction, or just uh, yeah, expansive yeah, just universes? like any kind of fiction. Like the biggest hitters are like Star Wars. Uh, Lord of the Rings, Marvel, Marvel. like oh, DC. The... That's funny. Um, no, even I'm not a super not fan. Even wise, I, but no, DC's... yeah, no, but I'm saying like, but still, like, it's, honestly, the, outside, it's the one DC of those kind of big hitters, yeah. right? And between the two, um, the reason why I, I, and I'm just guessing right now, the reason I think Lord of the Rings: Journeys to Middle Earth would move on is because between those, um. Uh, they both have card play, but it's just a one point battle for Marvel's Champions versus Lord of the Rings, where you having you're having this explorative experience where you're actually going out, you're learning the storyline. You don't know what's happening in the storyline. That is a hundred percent on purpose. You're discovering these. You having this expansiveness. You have the replayability. I mean, yes, there's a lot of stuff here, but the Journeys to Middle Earth also had like. Add on DLC, it had expansions and oh, it had that. Uh, honestly, the scenarios. Journey, Journeys to Middle Earth is not going to touch Marvel Champions when it comes to uh, replayability. Uh, re- replayability, just because I mean, the expansions. Not. Maybe not. Yeah, but um, but scaling well, the timing. Oh, no, this, this does take long for a card game. It's, um, it's actually not that bad, but it does take long for a four-player game. Mind you, Journeys yeah. to Middle-Earth is not that short either. It's not supposed to be, right. Yeah. yeah. And, and But nor is it, right. I agree. But this one, like, my knock for Marvel's Champions, and it's the same thing for um, Arkham Horror LCG, when you're talking yes. about like, the LCG games, especially the co-op ones. One to two players is my maximum I like to play it with right. because the, the turns are quicker. Um, you, you get to your turn a lot right. faster. It just... It just plays smoother with a right. lower player count. I just feel like if you if you think about what the story is trying to do, what what you're actually doing in the game versus um, how long the game takes. Yeah, like this, it's basically like a battle, right? And you, in a sense, I mean, you've only played the, scheming, the scenario. There right. is actual uh, campaigns that you have to go. Right, through. there's some campaigns, but it's just a series of like I 
I beat up this guy. I beat up this guy. In, in a sense, right? Honestly, you haven't played but, the campaign, so I won't knock you on that. Right. But, the, it's, but it is, you do beat up this that, guy. That campaign can't hold a candle to a, the campaign. Like, that, that they play in approximately the same amount of time. But then in Journeys of Middle, to Middle Earth, though, that's over weeks, if not months, of this storyline mm-hmm. that you're immersing down and condensing into, like, a couple hours. Yeah, I, I get you Which is saying. super cool. With the Marvel Champions, though, because you brought it up, the campaign style, there is okay. campaigns in there. Yes, you're you're facing the, the bad guy of the month, but it actually has a lot of carryover, what I like about Marvel's Champions. So when you beat a certain bad guy in that campaign, mm-hmm. you get rewards for doing that where you can take it to face the next scenario of that system. So you get better cards to put into your deck. But is it always a battle, though? Yes and no. It, um, I've only played partial of the Red Skull campaign, so I can't tell okay. you what the other ones do. Um, but I also like the little mini packs that you can get, like the scenario packs, like King the Conqueror. Uh, another thing about Marvel's Champions is the variability with that. So you can take some cards out and play with the tougher. Like if it's becoming right. too easy for you, you can change the difficulty level by adding uh, harder cards in there or more advanced uh, allies that you have right. to fight. So it is a lot of battling per se, but there is a campaign, there's a story, and what I like about the story aspect of it is it's a comic book. And so you read a comic book right before you start the campaign, you fight. When you finish that off, you go into the next part of the comic book, and then you do that. So it does really get immersive when you play the campaign style of it, but I only will play yeah, the campaign one to two players. It, it's immersive on the fact that it, it really feels like you're living out that comic book, but exactly. the story part is that you're looking at a comic book, and that's what you're immersed. Like, it's no difference in holding a comic book. Whereas the storyline, the immersion in here is actually like, oh, my character is traversing along this area. I'm actually physically moving that character to this area. I'm physically looking. Yeah. Like, the, like. No, I is. get you. I don't disagree. And, with granted, you. they're both fantasy flight, right? So yeah. we know they're both good quality. Um, it's just if, if you have the, the choice between, you know, Lord of the Rings, like, actually immersive board game explorative experience versus a card game from Fantasy Fight. And I know I'm I'm diluting how I'm saying it. That's why I'm saying Honestly, my bet is I, I can actually tell you, there's a card game I'd rather play, not Marvel's Champions. I probably would play Lord of the Rings when I want the immersiveness of it. Sure. But I'd rather play Arkham Horror LCG because there, it's much more immersive than, say, uh, Lord right. of the Rings. Because sure. you are fighting the exploring. You're like, oh, God, here comes this monster yeah. that's coming up. But I'd rather play Arkham Horror than this, too. Well, yeah. I, 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 right. I like Marvel's Champion. In fact, it's higher on my top 100 than this because it is immersive for me because I'm familiar with what things. So right. when Wolverine, I haven't played with that deck, but I've seen the cards. Like when Wolverine does something, I'm like, okay, that's what Wolverine would do. Right. Yeah. I get what you're saying, and I'm not disagreeing with a lot of stuff you're saying, right. but you're yeah. you're knocking it because of your personal bias. Okay. You're saying it's not immersive because you're not familiar with the thing. But the people who are going to get into that game... They already know. They already like know. Yeah. They're going to like it because of... Right. And there's a reason why those those decks are selling really right. well. That there's yeah. a reason why this is one of Fantasy Flight's biggest games, and there is a reason why Lord of the Rings has not had an expansion and what. Well, that's also because, one, this is a lot newer, so of course they're promoting this more than Lord of the Rings, and that, that's less. Two, Lord of the Rings is a huge introduction box. That's a much larger production. Mm-hmm. It's easier to do a card. Oh, yeah, that's easy. We, we agree with that. But, but that doesn't yes mean... No. Because oh, yeah. they're, they're no, no, it's way easier to well, do. Well, yeah, no, I'm saying yes, it's, it. it's easier to yeah. produce. 
but it's just there's more of a fan base for this than Lord of the Rings. Their cart, their sure. LCG is not doing yeah. well. Lord of the Rings, I mean, yeah. they're still doing stuff, but it's not selling like this. It's right. not selling like it's the horror sort stuff. Right. So it's just yeah, and that's the same thing with the the massive thing. Lord of the Rings: Journey to the Middle Earth. And my only big gripe with this game is that it came and it kind of went. It's still not even surpassing its predecessor, Mansions of Madness. Right. So that's the thing. It's like you you look at BGG or you see the people that are talking about it. No one's talking about this game now. That's not a knock on the game. In fact, uh, I agree with you. I that's think really more it, about the publisher than it is. And the well, that's not just that, that. The support, yeah. And the yeah. Lord of the Rings should move on. It is a better game. It's more immersive. There's right. more immersion into it. The art and production. But my thing is Marvel Champions. Out of these two games, I play Marvel's Champions hands down because I don't even as much as I like Lord of the Rings. I'd rather play the other game in this line. Sure. Whereas compared to Marvel's Champions, there's an Arkham Horror game in this one. I'd rather play Marvel Champions because it's a much easier game to play than uh, mm-hmm. Arkham Horror LCG. Okay. So, uh, I agree with you. Lord of the Rings. All right. Which means that our finals will be Lord of the Rings versus Return to Dark Tower. Lord of the Ring, Journey to Middle Earth, specifically. Yeah, because there there is a lot of uh, Lord, Lord of the Rings games just for Fantasy Flight alone. Right, War of the Rings. Uh, I think that's no. That I think that yeah, might Arkham be Horror Ares. LCG is so much theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't disagree with that. Arkham Horror does I mean, have a lot of theme, it, but but the fact of the matter with Arkham Horror LCG, there's yeah. much more setup. There's much more aspects of the turn. You have to set up your your bag pools. Now, I like using the app for that, but. Your bag pulls to make it the variability easier, stuff like that. You mm-hmm. have the mythos phase where the bad stuff happens, so you got to deal with all that stuff as well. Right. There is a lot going into it. For me, if I just because again, I play these games solo a lot. For me, Marvel's Champions is much easier to set up, much easier to tear down, and much quicker to play. And I, yeah, I don't think it's too bad, but it's Liz, just we forget. I didn't want to bring this up because it's not a production issue with the game itself. But the packaging on that one expansion that you got? Oh, God. Oh, don't the tuck box? The freaking corrugated lar- cardboard. The large tuck box at yes. that. It, it was it, an obnoxiously large tuck box for what? Like basically two decks or whatever? Uh, there's, there's four or five in there. Yeah. That was ridiculous. Yeah, for it's the the newer because you know how they're splitting the new they're splitting the new series. So you can have the, the mythos, um, which is the campaign aspect of it. Or you can buy the players, uh, the characters. Yeah. The character boxes come in a large corrugated tuck box that you have to be very, very careful. Whereas the the actual scenario base is a big box, and I like it. Yeah, and that's like one of the very few games that they put in a box like that. And it was ridiculous, but I don't know. I mean, although I, I can't say I'm a fan of clamshells either, but I, it's better than a but yeah, but awkwardly see, large are, tuck box. Uh, the LCG does the same thing for like their individual right. scenarios, or you can actually buy characters like right. that way, same, the same thing. So it's their individual scenarios and stuff like that. Uh, both of them do it like that. Yep. And it's easier to put them in like those big boxes. I just haven't really taken those out and put them in the big box because right. I need to get another insert for one of my smaller boxes. Because that's the thing. Is Fantasy Flight is pumping out the LCGs like there is no tomorrow. Yeah, they don't have time to design packaging. <laughs> but moving on to our championship edition. Oh, wait, do you uh, want to sh- yep. talk about the votes real quick for Marvel's Champion and Wingspan? All right, Wingspan was actually our number one vote getter at 40%, and Marvel's Champions was sitting at 20 All right. All right, Here we go. championship. 
uh, Return of Tark Tower versus Lord of the Rings Journeys to Middle Earth. And in this final round, we don't even flip the coin. We don't debate. We break it down to each of the five different spots. So if you like this part of the round, stay tuned for week four of our month because now we're going to turn this whole part into like a, yeah. into like its own episode. It's kind of cool um, with our deep dive. So, all right. Is there any of these we're talking about specifically ease of play, replay value, meaningful choice, game immersion, and uh, art and production? Is there any of these that actually stand out to you? One does. It, I know it's going to be a controversial thing, but I think art I disagree! <laughs> I, I, I think art and production is better in Return to Dark Tower. Yes. I actually agree with that because almost all of it is solid on both ends, except... The tower. Yes. The tower is what pushes, pushes that over so the top. much over the top. And the thing it too is... And that's against an app-driven game, which, by the way, this also is app-driven and motor-driven and LED <laughs> and speaker-driven. And it, it is just so cool because it really yeah. gets you into that element. You hear everything in the background. Yeah. When that tower starts going... Yeah. When you, and you're like, oh, God, it's on my side. Why do I got to pull this up? And then, and then even, like, when it's like, oh, the tower is about to move, everyone takes that collective, all right, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh no. God. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, no. And then just, it's so exciting. It's such a memorable moment when, like, those, and, when and those things me, dump on your... I know you're going to argue at this point, but I think game immersion for me, too, is in Return to Dark Tower. Um, you know, so, again, like, I... Uh, I, I don't want to belabor it too much. I actually don't totally disagree with that. Um, both of them are fun to lose. Yes, very much so. Because um, we actually lost <laughs> yeah. the Reeks. I feel like... Uh, I, I do feel like, though, Dark Tower is a little more fun to lose just because I... Like, it is that cooperative effort, yes, but you... I mean, you're exploring the same way. It's just it's a little more cut and dry. Mm-hmm. Um, the player interaction, yes, there's player interaction... Although, you know, mechanistically, though, I could stay on my corner of the board and probably not be a, a big deal with it on uh, Return of Dark Tower. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with you on that aspect. Right. Uh, but you, can, but you the, really can't. Do you feel more like somebody delving into a, a, a like this dark, evil tower in it's not Return of like Dark Tower, or do you feel like an actual like Lord of the Rings character when you're playing? I really don't feel like a Lord of the Rings character. Yeah, I kind of don't either. Yeah, because you, you have some of the characters, but they made a totally new character for the game. Right. And I get it, but it's just, it's pretty much, okay, I play these cards, no. this thing happens. Well, I'm, my character is completely <laughs> different and have really I mean, cool abilities compared to your character. Yes. Like, we were talking about the Brutal Warlord. They're really big aspect is to fight monsters and send their soldiers in there. Right. Whereas I was playing a character that, hey, I can strengthen people by sending banners out. I was playing yeah. one of the expansions, the Arkwright. So... There's this kind of stuff. That's why I just I feel more uh, with my character in Return to Dark Tower than I do okay. Journeys to Middle Earth. I do agree with that. And then that memorable moment when those, those when those tower, when, when those when those skulls fall out of it, or even every turn at the end of every turn when you, when you drop it a skull, it's like, it in, you're like, and what, what's really funny that? about it is, is it everybody that? turns to the gap like is something going to happen? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> One of these days. I, I want to host you and, and bring you over, and I will Chromecast my screen onto my massive TV, and I'll set up my speaker system, and we'll play that. So when a thunderclasp hits, everyone just, jeez, you know, I want that to happen. Oh, it'd be fun. It'd be right. really, really fun. Uh, I, so game immersion, I give to Dark Tower as well. Um, now, ease of play. 
I would give that to Lord of the Rings. And I'll tell you why. Okay. Um, simplicity, familiarity with the mechanism. That's literally just like, hey, you want to do something? Like, go go over there and just yeah, like, interact, right? Um, whereas, the same could be said for Return to Dark Tower. Well, you, you have, have three the banner choices. phase. You interact here or you interact here. Right, you have the banner phase. You have the actions phase. And then you have the locations phase. Mm-hmm. And then you drop the tower. Well, what I, and then you have to might you might have to change that depending on it. Um, the big thing is, I think, likelihood of getting it to the table. It's no, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. It's Lord of the Rings, right. But analysis paralysis, though. It's both, really. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the, it, it is, because you have to make a decision. Okay, I'm really good at exploring. I should go over there and take care of that in Lord of the Rings. Whereas right. you have a guy who's really good at fighting, so he, maybe he needs to go fight that monster. Right. The same thing with Return to Dark Tower. You have one person that's really good about moving about the map, and then you have one person that's really good right. about either dungeon dwelling or uh, but completing goals. But I feel like, like completing the or dungeon dwelling, completing goals, fighting with things, it's almost a press your luck game. In, I, in I, I agree with you. Tower. It really and is. And that can be because that is lucky, and that is prone more to analysis. Well, it's not really prone to analysis. It's not. Problem. No, I'm I'm jumping ahead to meaningful choice actually. But yeah. prone to analysis paralysis. Yeah, it's a push. Because both of them was like, oh, well, I hear something dark in the, or something rustling in the bushes. Maybe I'll check it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, probably not. You know, I I, I feel like that. Uh, but I'll agree with you. I think uh, Ease of Play goes to, Return yeah. to Dark Tower is not that hard at all, but no. neither, no, nor is Return, uh, Journey to the North. For, I, the, for the grandiose um, factor, like they're both grandiose big games, they're actually very simple for both of them. Mm-hmm. And a big part of it, too, is because the app takes care of a lot of cleanup for yeah. you. Um, a lot of Euro games have more rules than either of these games. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I do, I, I like Return to Dark Tower more than Lord of the Rings. I'll readily admit it, but this is the reason why we do it this way. We right. have to break it down this way. Now, right. the reason why it was coming up here, so you might want to start working on like the meaningful choice, is because I need to check something. Oh, the number of expansions? Yeah. All right, that's fair. Meaningful choice. So 2019 between... is when uh, Journeys in Middle-Earth came out, actually. So I was not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say you were wrong. Calm yourself. No, um... Where's the... Is it full credits here? Yeah. Well, do, do what you gotta do. Okay, so... Um, as far as meaningful choice goes... Mm-hmm. Um, impact other players' strategies. I do feel they're both... Really good at they're that. They're both very good at that. Um, impacting other players' long-term strategies, I feel like they're they're both lackluster on that. Which oh uh, the strategies, yeah. Because, other players, right? Yeah. yeah, it's cooperative, yeah. But but it's also um, the, the tower too. Yeah, or, but I also feel like in Return to Dark Tower, I would count that as a knock towards Dark Tower because it, like you said, like that's a really thematic thing when like oh this river is now suddenly on fire. When that happens, you just you just don't go over there. Well, like yes, any players no, who are or, on that side just stay on that side, and then we'll just go. Well, that not way. just that. Sometimes you so have to go around the board because someone really needs to go over there and clean up. Right. So it it it's it's Some, hit or miss, yeah. Yeah, but I I don't feel like that's a, a big enough thing for it. Um, and then as far as arbitrary choices, again, that that's where I'm going into the pressure One, lock. I would give meaningful choice to Lord of the Rings because of that. Two, three. <clears throat> Very much so. Because the thing is, like I said, you're impacting But I, more. I think you still have to do your meaningful choice. Do you, uh, because you you get treasures. Right. You get your special abilities where you can lessen an attack value 
right. or uh, using it for like your dungeon dwelling. But that like you that. don't know what's happening. It's not pure strategy. It is a pressure luck. Well, not it necessarily. Is, it is arbitrary. Well, the dungeon dwelling is pressure luck because you don't know what's coming up. But if right. you're fighting a monster. Uh, you know what's coming up. So, like, if it's a magic or a beast monster, you know if you have the ability to fight it or not. Well... So that's not really an arbitrary choice. No, the only but, arbitrary but choice how is much you game. have to put towards it. Like, not knowing... Because, of course, if you if you plan it so you have way too much stuff, and you're like, oh, I'll just defeat anything that's that's my level, you know, you don't have enough time in the game to do that. Well, you're also so going to be have... smart about how you're going to fight these monsters, right. too. And sometimes you do have to dungeon dwell, because that's one of the goals that you have to deal with to uh, enact the fight of the final boss. Yes. Sometimes you have to go fight into a goal. Like, if you dungeon this, okay, cool. Or uh, to get a reward for another ally and stuff like that. So you're, you're yeah. making it sound as not important uh, as it should be. But like when well, it comes to the monsters... I just feel you... comparatively, I feel like Lord of the Rings has more choice on that. Yeah, yeah, I, I honestly don't see it because the fact of the matter is, when it comes to the monsters, you have to make a choice to either fight the monster or let it go. But if you leave the monsters go too long, they become more powerful, and then it's going to be more difficult to fight those monsters. So it's like it's your kind of a push your luck aspect there, but you have to make a choice. Okay, we know they're going to become more powerful somewhere down the line. Do we want to leave them over there? Or maybe we should take care of the wolves, because we've seen them swarm a couple of times on someone. Right. So it's... yeah, it, There's a lot of choice in that aspect when you go into the dungeon, or when you go... Or even for the fact that, you know what? We're going to fail this. We're just automatically going to let it go. Something bad might happen, but it's better if we do this because it's a possibility for us to get closer yeah. to the aspect that we need to do. I feel, well then, just because of the nature of the games, then, since they both do... I mean, I could make exactly what you said and make I mean, that case yeah. towards Lord of the Rings. So let's call it a push. Push on meaningful, meaningful choice. choice. Yeah. All right. And then replay value, I am seeing here for Lord of the Rings... Mm -hmm. Eight expansions, and I'm not seeing promos, in, in fact. There's just a bunch of, like, minis expansions for characters, as well as, like, the Spreading War expansion here. So there is more expansions on the replay value part of it. So, like I said, see, no promo aspect of it. These are all expansions, where it's character expansions. Plus DLC. Or just, right. Yeah, DLC. Which we don't know. Yeah, so, well, the DLC always, they'll, they'll have it on here because of certain stuff like that. So that's why, you see, like, this one says figure pack. Right. Whereas this is the Poison Promise, because this could be a DLC, or that could be an actual right. physical thing you have to buy. So on that aspect, there's eight of it. Um, okay. Just on the expansions, that's what we're going to call it. Where I think the expandability yep. wins that one. Mind you, both of them come with a certain amount of scenarios. Out of the box. I can't exactly remember what is in Lord of the Rings. Right. I think Not there's anymore, eight out of Return of Dark Tower. Okay. Plus two. So, honestly, for me, uh, minimum number of plays to get the full experience is a push because... Okay. Uh, that part. Right. And then length of time and scaling, well, they're both long games, so that's a push. So, replay value goes to Lord of the Rings, in my estimation. Okay. Because both can be really long. Even at full or less player counts, they're just... It's dependent upon the players. Okay. Uh, minimum number of plays for the full experience, it's a push for me there as well, because... Right. Again, it's... it's, it's Scenario-based. Scenario and the thing with Return to Dark Tower, when it comes to that, you can either make it easier for yourself by putting all the monsters you're putting in there to kind of um, work together, like magic or beast and stuff like mm -hmm. that, 
Or you can make it hard for yourself and just make all your monsters different. So yeah. there's variability for both of those games. Yeah. So for me, that one outright just goes to Lord of the Rings because of the expandability. Okay. Yeah, that's what I want. So that means that we have... A tie. All right. <laughs> that's why we take it to the fan vote. And always these these finale ones are always really big. So Yeah, these are, and these are really big. So... Yeah. Uh, both of these are really, really good games. How they dare they tie. tie. That's right, Illuminous. So, to the fan vote, uh, Journeys of the Middle-Earth has nothing. So, if uh, Return of Dark Tower has any percentage of the vote, which it does, wow. Only a few, though. It only has 20% of the vote, but mind you, our algorithm kind of sucks because we haven't posted it in a while. But right. Return to Dark Tower, which has only ever won... One top eight debate has ascended. That's right. But we've debated it a lot, though. We've talked about it a lot. And there's a reason why it's in my top 100 games of all time. Right. And I think it's in yours, too. Uh, no, it, it just wasn't because out. I don't own it. Yeah, but, that's right. Um, if if I did own it, it might be. Yeah, because it is... I mean, my top 100 are really just really great games. <laughs> and I like Dark Tower a lot, but I don't know. Um, Honestly, so now, if but also like compared a, to Gloomhaven and Pandemic Legacy Season 1, it does make sense. Oh, well, it does, yeah, there. it really needs to go up there. Um, one, it's fun that we don't have to talk about it all that much, even though I like talking about this game. Right. But it, it, it deserves the third spot right. so far. It is a phenomenal game. It's really well done. Uh, the, the production of value alone puts it up there. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. So that's our next game, Champion of Champions. Third year edition, Return to Dark Tower from Restoration Games. Great job. Great game. Definitely check it out. You won't be hearing us debate about it anytime soon now. We'll probably talk about it in we'll one of the other about. podcasts yeah. or something like that. I'm, I'm starting to make a role. It's like, do we want to talk about them in Audible Mentions because we can't talk about them anymore? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course we can. Yeah. yeah Audible Mentions. It's one of those mentions. things like, I like, can only pull to Audible Mentions. I'm pulling this game back in. Right, exactly. So we would definitely want to thank you for tuning in. Um, if you ever want to join us on a live episode, like our friend Illuminous or anybody else who chats with us during our live recordings, check us out at twitch.tv slash everydayboardgames. And now check for our new schedule that we'll be imply implementing, not implying. implying. We're not going to assume this <laughs> the schedule. We're going to continue it. Um, this is our top eight debate. Next week will be chits and giggles. As well as all video re-uploads can be found on YouTube at Everyday Board Games 2020. And if you like what we do, there are three things you can do to help us grow on that platform. Subscribe if you're not. Like the video and comment down below and tell us your thoughts on the subject. As well as all audio versions can be found on most podcast platforms under Everyday Board Games Podcast. This includes Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, and Podbean. Alright. And if you ever want to contact us directly, you can. Whether you want to enter in a future contest, just say hello. Hello. <laughs> say aloha um mahalo um if you want to if you want to enter in our future contest say hello or tell us ideas for future episodes or send your hate mail to daniel you can do so at everydayboardgames2020 at gmail.com and with that being said we want to thank you so much for tuning in as always i've been your host daniel and i've been your host daniel Oh, you're supposed to pause after that, Daniel. No, no, no. We're going to thank you for listening to Everyday Board Games. And remember, every day is a good day for board gaming.